The following program is brought to you by Fanbags Cornhole, Chicago's official supplier of professional cornhole boards and bags. Choose from any of their officially licensed designs or have my boy Brian design a custom set using anything from a selfie to your company's logo. Visit www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS to get 10% off your entire order. That's www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS for 10% off. Step up your game with Fanbag Cornhole. This is Ethan Morton from Purdue Men's Basketball, and you're watching Boilers in the Stands. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Boilers in the Stands. I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr., and alongside me, as always, is my guys, Craig Bowers and Joe Jackson. Aiden won't be joining us tonight, but uh, we're excited to hear from him tomorrow when we get to Selection Sunday and, of course, Championship Sunday for the Purdue Boilermakers, who will now take on the Penn State Nittany Lions after giving Ohio State their third straight loss versus the Boilers here this season um, in pretty easy fashion for the most part. I mean, Ohio State made them earn it in certain spots, but Purdue certainly felt in control for the entire second half and a good portion at the end of the first half. So 
you know, it's exciting to see Purdue kind of move on and, and, and kind of take care of, you know, don't play with their food. You know, they, they took care of business. They beat a team they are better than. And it, you know, by the end of the game, it wasn't exactly in question. Uh, you know, you just never know. So you don't want to jinx it, but uh, you know, felt pretty good pretty much throughout the entire second half. So, you know, and then of course the surprise of the day, cause we're going to cover everything. We're going to talk about the game today where Purdue took down Ohio state and how they did. And then of course, talk about the matchup tomorrow against Penn state, because probably the more surprising news of the day is that Penn state takes down the Indiana Hoosiers where you really felt like IU and Purdue were in a crash course to play for uh, the championship on Sunday, which would have only been the second time in big 10 tournament history since that happened, which was the first ever uh, big 10 tournament championship. So that's not happening. Purdue will take on Penn State and face an old friend in Micah Shrewsbury. So the chess match will continue between Matt Painter and Micah uh, with a lot of fam- familiarity on how they coach and and what they want to do as far as on an offensive and defensive standpoint. So, uh, Craig, you know, your takeaways from uh, another big day at the United Center. Yeah, I think it was just a really good win, you know, and we can say what we want about conference tournaments and how much they matter or not, but but it's still, you know, every team sets a goal, three goals at the beginning of the season that they win their conference season regular champion, conference regular season champions championship, their conference tourney championship, and then an NCAA tournament championship. And we've got a chance to check two of those three boxes off the list going into tomorrow. And, you know, when you think about this, it's been since 2009 uh, since Purdue has won a championship. Um, so so this should really mean something to them. And I thought just a really great game today. Um, yeah, like you said, it got a little bit close at the end. But <laughs> college basketball is all about matchups, man. And we match up really good against Ohio State. They just don't really have a way to stop Edie. Um, and I, I just thought we took care of business in pretty reasonable fashion today all, all day long. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for those of you that don't know Craig's uh, new background, he's actually in my man cave here at my house. Uh, My daughter Addison thinks he's staying forever because he does puzzles with her. Uh, So we don't know. He may or may not stay after tomorrow. We'll see. But, you know, he's he's shackled up with me here at the Braggs residence. We're going to, you know, uh, order some food later, watch some more basketball, watch UCLA, Arizona, and Duke, see if Duke can help that resume a little more here in a little bit. Uh, so if you hear any echo, Craig's literally in the room right next to me. So if you do, please say so in the chat, and we'll try to make sure we rectify that. But we should be good from an echo standpoint. But you're absolutely right, Craig, when it comes to, you know, Brian Newbert's been talking about this a lot, kind of exercising the demons of last year. And Brandon Newman addressed that in his, um, they had like a side press conference in the weight room, you know, kind of a spillover for a couple players, as opposed to the main podium that you saw Zach Eady and Braden Smith at after the game today. And Braden did, uh, Brandon Newman did not shy away from the fact that he was like, look, we, we remember how it felt last year losing to Iowa on that floor in Indianapolis for the championship. We remember what it felt like to lose at Wisconsin when they stormed the court. We remember how we felt when we lost in the NCAA tournament. So now they have an opportunity to exercise. They've exercised one demon by winning the Big Ten championship. Check. 
Now, if they can win a Big Ten tournament championship, that's a big check. That's two of the three goals you have going into the season. You know, and then you add the fact that they have a national player of the year and and all the talk about how they've they've exceeded expectations. They're they're well on their way to calling this a successful season, even before they reach March, where we all want them to slay the dragon and get to the final four and win a national championship. But you got to give these guys a lot of credit, Joe. Um, you know, they're they're kind of taking it one step at a time. And me and Craig kind of talked about it. I'm sure Craig's gonna touch on it too, because he's been such a big proponent of why that number one seed is important. And it's on full display here in the Big Ten tournament. They've got a one seed. The matchups have fallen their way. And now they're playing Penn State here in the championship instead of one of the higher seeds. Yeah, it's it's important. Um, I think Craig tweeted out the stats earlier. The, the percentage of teams that make the Final Four of one seed compared to two seed or something of that nature. And, and it is really beneficial. And, um, you know, Purdue has done what they've – you know, they've had to do in the, the Big Ten tourney, and that's just keep winning. Um, if you're wanting a one seed, you're hoping for a UCLA loss tonight. UCLA loss and a Purdue win tomorrow probably gets them the one seed. Um, I'm no bracketologist, though. That, that is more up Craig's alley, and we'll definitely hit on that. But in terms of just the pure game, I just want to talk, you know, just instant reactions to that is two things. One, this was a good reminder, I think, at least to me and maybe others of like, hey, Purdue has this guy named Zach Eady, and like, unless you have an elite big, or like an insanely good game plan, he, he's really tough to stop. And I think, you know, with the struggles a little bit in general from Purdue as of late, maybe I just kind of forgot that of like, hey, there's, you know, he is the best player in the country. He's having one of the greatest college seasons of all time. Um, you can just feed him. And if teams don't have a good answer, like Zach, you know, Edie can win you multiple games in a row. Um, and that's, you know, teams haven't seen him in the, like in the Big Ten, everybody's seen him now. And March Madness, Maybe maybe we'll, you'll run into one Big Ten team. Nobody else is going to have seen him. So there's that part. And then also, and we'll, I want to touch on this more later. I thought Painter was just awesome today. I thought he made all the right adjustments, pushed all the right buttons. Um, you know, wasn't the best start defensively. Made the right adjustments uh, schematically, lineup wise. You know, got just kept feeding Edie the ball. And um, if we talk about IU Penn State, that was something IU did not do with Trace. Is they did not give their best player the ball, and uh, Purdue just kept going to him and it just worked. So I, I thought it was a great game for Painter. I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it and they made the adjustments, right, Joe? Cause we yeah. got to talk about that at some point because to start the game, you had, you know, um, what was his last name? Roddy Go- Gale Jr. Gale hit every three in sight. And five it was because they, and this is something they're going to be up against tomorrow. They're doubling the post and then, you know, Ohio state swinging it and reversing it to the other side of the court, finding the open man. And it's a fairly easy shot. And they were knocking every single one of them threes down. And, and that's, what's going to happen tomorrow. They're going to double the post on Jalen Pickett. Jalen's going to go to that. He don't care if he's on Zach Eady, he's posted him up because that's his game. And then yep. we're going to double the post and then it's going to be kick, kick to the other side of the court. And then you got funk. You got you, you got guys that can knock down shots. Um, you know, um, their other guy, um, I'm losing Lundy? my train. What? Seth Lundy. Lund- yeah, Seth Lundy, Lundy. Winter. They can all hit shots, dude. Clarice they can good. all hit shots. But but what Purdue's done really really well against Penn State and Painter does this often, where he says we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna shut this one guy down, no matter what. You guys are staying locked in on him. We are gonna shut him down. We're not gonna give him a shot. And the thing they've done really well against Penn State, they they have not let Funk get going. 
they they have kept him in a funk both games. Yeah, yeah. It, that's good. He's their X factor because in the first half of the IU game, he was held at bay for the most part. I don't know if that was IU's doing or his own doing, but he didn't have many points. And then all of a sudden, the second half, he gets loose a couple times. One three, he made at the end of the shot clock, which was a deep three. But he's got that ability, and and if you're going to let him go off, and then you still got to deal with Winter and Lundy and Pickett. Now you're now you you're you've got problems. And of course, yes, our, our guy Bitcoin is freedom is joining us live. He's gracing us with his presence here today. And he's become a celebrity of sorts here on this show uh, because of his, you know, amazing basketball acumen and his, you know, confidence in Brandon Newman. So we're going to give him his platform to get his opinions out there. And we appreciate his his support to this show. And he says it was the Edie show today, as expected, against depleted Ohio State. Newman and Braden redeemed themselves from yesterday. Newman always great defense, though, so I can still live with him all of four like yesterday. And I'm I'm inclined to agree with him. I'm all in. I've uh I've 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 given up whatever drum I was trying to bang. He get Brandon Newman gives constant effort on the defensive end. He fights through screens, he makes things difficult, he gets in passing lanes, he gets tough rebounds, and you know, maybe this was a, a bat, my bad on, on my part when we had a chance to interview him. Maybe it was something that needed to be asked because, you know, it's it's abundantly clear that now that he's getting extended minutes, the mistakes are going down, you know. And, and I think there was just some calculus with some of us that thought, yeah, and Craig has pointed that out here on this show, you know, that that was the risk you were feeling like if you – for all that wanted him to play more – that he made so many mistakes in limited minutes. Well, how many is he going to make if he's playing more? Well, he's proven it goes the other way, which is kind of teaching you a little something about, you know, letting guys get in a groove and get some confidence and not have fear of staring at that bench. So, yeah, and now he's starting to knock down some shots, getting more confident. He talked about getting comfortable with the new Wilson basketball. Braden, when I asked Braden Smith about the basketball, he said, no excuses. I don't care what basketball we play with, but Brandon was, you know, uh, was pretty honest with his assessment. Not saying Braden wasn't, but Brandon said it is an adjustment for him to, uh, you know, use a new basketball. He said the grip is different. The ball's a little bigger. So, you know, yesterday's 0 for 4, and now all of a sudden he's sinking some shots. And this is going to be the ball they play within the tournament, right, Craig? Yeah, this will be the same ball as the tournament. But but to your point about Brandon, I think what, what I was talking about or why he pointed at me was a couple shows ago we said, it, you know, the chicken and the egg argument. Like, is Brandon playing more because he quit making mistakes or is he not making mistakes because he's playing more? Because when you get in in those limited minutes, you feel like you got to get your shots. You feel like you got to do something to prove your worth, all of that. And I think just that confidence of starting and knowing that he's got those minutes – He's he's not rushing those shots. He's not forcing anything up. And I mean, he'll still make a mistake here or there, but he's had some good dribble drive action where he's got two feet in the paint and then kicked it out or forced a rotation so that Edie can get the ball, shot a little turnaround in the lane, which quite frankly, I don't think we've ever seen out of Brandon um, over the course of his career. That was something new, but it looked it looked comfortable for him. It was an easy shot for him. Um, and what he's doing defensively is just, I, I mean, he locked, guys up today just locked people up yeah i mean thorn had his worst game in a while and that was his primary assignment um and 
you know, I, I don't know what we want to transition to or whatever, but that well, was you know, uh, part- I just real quick to stick with Newman for a minute. Cause he just, and no, I, he, I was is the spark, too, he is the spark plug, you know, that has kind of rejuvenated this team here at the end of the season. And, and we'd be remiss to not touch on it a little more. And, and Blake Widmer says Newman is great on rebounding and helps us avoid as much rotation. And he's been passing a lot better lately. And that's another really uh, salient point there, Blake, because there was a point in the game where he could have taken a jumper mid range or a three. And instead he chooses to pass and, and then it ends up being a better shot for somebody else. And it goes down and Newman is showing this every game now that he's going to have that willingness to do that. So just across the board, Brandon Newman has been such a shot in the arm. Uh, Bitcoin is freedom is a base basketball savant. And we bow at, I bow to the altar of Bitcoin is freedom. And I will never question his, his basketball prowess again. Beyond what he did on ball, once Thornton got the ball, he, he blew up plays over and over again today where he just shut Thornton off to, you know, they were, they were trying to run a similar dribble handoff action to what we do at different times today. And he just blew it up. He just blew the whole play up and didn't even let Thornton get into the action and then they were forced to, you know, just try to kind of go on the fly from there a few uh, many times today. So I, I thought he was just really, really impressive defensively. And then he hit shots. And like we need Brandon to hit shots. Uh, what he's doing defensively is great. Uh, we'll talk more about who else needs to be aggressive in certain lineups later on and that sort of thing. But man, it was really good to see some of them go down because when you when you're increasing your defensive effort, I mean, like Ray Fell was a shooter. Uh, when he came into Purdue and then he became a de- defensive lockdown def- uh, defender. And when you're putting all that effort out on that end, sometimes it's hard to like have enough legs and just feel comfortable and, and go as a shooter too. So it was really good to see him get it, get it going on both ends tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, just a few comments before we move on to the stats of the game, but Blake uh, touched on what some of the point I made earlier. And he goes, I don't think we have a preseason goal to win the conference tourney question mark. Has Painter ever mentioned the conference tourney as a key goal? Obviously, it's nice to win, but don't recall it being goal. And he, he absolutely has. He says every year at the start of the year, and then when they get to the end, we have three goals. Every time he says it. We want to win the Big Ten championship. We want to win a Big Ten tournament championship. We want to get to the Final Four and win a national championship. So those are the goals, and he talks about it being a step-by-step process. He talked about that today. Uh, you know, he's also mentioned that you know, the tournament isn't as important if you're a team that's already in. But as we've talked about so many times here on this show, they're still fighting for a one seed with UCLA. So while they're in the tournament, you know, it, it is of importance to win these games as many as you can here in the tournament. And maybe, you know, we talked with uh, Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology. We'll talk more about the seeding later, but he did say to us before the game started, if they win, they should be the one seed no matter what happens tomorrow. So that'll be interesting to see how that transpires. Uh, our, my guy, Jeremy Kramer, a.k.a. Airjare, is a diehard Indiana Hoosiers fan and a good friend of mine. And he said, decisive win for Purdue today. Indiana on the constant roller coaster. Penn State physical guards in the low post won't matter with Edie, though. Uh, I'm sure no Purdue fans going to sell. Uh, Penn State short. They're a scrappy team that has a lot of weapons. So we'll just have to wait and see. But Edie certainly creates a matchup problem for them on the offensive side of the ball. But then they can reverse that with some, 
you know, matchup problems for Purdue the other way. So uh, be a little more game of chess between Micah Shrewsbury, a former assistant coach of the Purdue Boilermakers and behind Matt Painter. So we'll see how Painter and, and Shrews go at each other tomorrow. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, so we'll move on here to the stats of the game as we always do. And um, we'll read some of these off and we'll react to them. So uh, for these stats of the game, uh, Purdue shoots 48% from the field. Last Yesterday they shot 47% from the field. So they continue the hot shooting 28 of 58 from the field for Purdue. Ohio State shoots 42% from the field, 22 of 52 from the field. 47% from three-point land for the Purdue Boilermakers, 7 of 15. The Ohio State Buckeyes shoot 10 of 24 from the three-point line, 71%. So some hot shooting beyond the arc. Free throws, a key category for Craig. 17 of 22 from the free throw line, 12 of 17 for the Buckeyes. Turnovers, nine turnovers for the Buckeyes, seven for Purdue. Points off of those turnovers, nine for Ohio State, six points off of turnovers for Purdue. Rebounds, 38 rebounds. They out-rebound Ohio State 38-27. to 27. 27 rebounds and 11 offensive rebounds for Purdue. 21 rebounds and six offensive for Ohio State. Second chance points, 14 second chance points for Purdue. 10 for Ohio State. Bench points, 14 for Purdue, 11 for Ohio State. Points in the paint, Purdue dominates with 36 points in the paint, only 18 from Ohio State. Five fast break points to zero for Ohio State. Uh, uh, Two blocks for Purdue, three for Ohio State. Three steals for Purdue, two for Ohio State. 18 assists from Purdue, that's a big number. 13 assists from Ohio State. Uh, lead time Purdue led this game for almost 30 minutes, 29 minutes and 47 seconds and Ohio state only led for eight minutes and 49 seconds. So, you know, to my point earlier, it really felt like Purdue was in control of this one for the majority of the game, which was nice. Cause we could just sit back and relax. My cousin was there who I don't get to see pretty much ever. And, uh, it was a lot of fun to hang out with him and his kid. Um, you know, who I don't get to see that often. So we were kind of hanging out, you know, in the stands as we do here on boilers in the stands. So, uh, Craig, when you hear those numbers, what jumps out to you the most? I'm going to pivot today. I'm Uh-oh. not going to say free. I'm not going to say free throws. Not going and to your wheelhouse today. I, you know, it's still an important stat and obviously they, they dominated from a rebounding standpoint, but three point shooting. Um, we've talked a lot about balls on this show. Uh, different types of basketballs in terms of what they play with at different levels um, along the season and, and in different places. Um, and we've talked a lot about Purdue's three-point shooting. Well, one of the concerns was how they would shoot with that Wilson ball. One of the concerns was would that three-point shooting come back at all. Uh, over the course of two games in this tournament and playing with the same ball that we're going to play with in the NCAA tournament, uh, Purdue is shooting 40% from three. Um, they shot, I think 35% yesterday on a higher volume and then like 47% today. And I think that's a really, really solid sign. And if you look past the numbers a little bit, what's maybe even more promising about that is, is arguably our best pure shooter still hasn't got going. Like if Fletcher gets going, uh, Mason's hitting shots, Morton's hitting shots, Newman hit shots today. Smith is hitting shots. Gillis is hitting shots. Like if, if we can get Fletcher going, uh, I think we're back to being that team that can really 
feed the post and then feed out of that post for wide open looks. And and I think we're awful hard to beat when we're knocking them down at a clip of, I don't even think we have to hit 40%. If we can shoot 35%, 35% or better from three, I think we're a really, really tough out in the tournament. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I've been on the, the jumper train for the past few games now. Of it's I really think it's just three-point shooting determines how far this team goes. Um, and, and so that's obviously key shooting over 40%. I, I put out a tweet and, uh, you know, last time uh, when Purdue played Rutgers early in the year, that was their first game in the second half, they shot parity well from three. And then they went on a nine game winning streak in which they shot over 40% in seven of the nine games. Um, they played Ohio state, then Penn state right after Rutgers, just kind of crazy. All the coincidence that lines up, but you know, that kind of happened too. shoot better in the second half against Rutgers that carries over to Ohio state, hopefully carries over to Penn state. And then the other one, turnovers for me, um, only seven, seven turnovers to nine for Ohio State. Uh, and, and, you know, we didn't really see much pressure from Ohio State because they don't have a good press, to be honest. Um, but I, I think that's key. You know, Smith gets five assists and one turnover. That's huge. Edie, you know, 25 shots and only one turnover. That's that's big. So uh, I think those are the, the two key ones for me. And, and pretty much everywhere else, just Purdue gets the edge. Yeah, it's, you know, just more hot shooting, right? I mean, that's what Painter talks about, that, you know, he knows these guys are a good shooting team. They just haven't gone down, and he's talked about that two straight games. And, you know, you're starting to see it break out with the exception, excuse me, with the exception of Fletcher Lawyer. So it's exciting. You know, I mean, Brandon Newman is getting hot. David Jenkins is getting hot. As Craig mentioned, you know, Caleb first started getting going. He had a great first half. You know, he's fighting for rebounds, making things difficult for guys. Mason Gillis is getting going. Now he gets to face off against Penn State, who he went straight Steph Curry on the last time they met up. Not sure if he's going to do that again, but if he does, Purdue will be hoisting a trophy. So uh, another one on the season. So it'll be interesting, but just overall, it's it's good to see them, you know, getting hot. And, and from the free throw line, too. I mean, they had some misses. Zach Eady had three misses, uh, one on the front end of a one-on-one, which is crucial. But for the most part, they hit their free throws, and that's a key stat. You know, you, you know the, these teams are going to try to get you in a rock fight. Two straight games. <laughs> these games are almost taking two and a half hours because there's so many fouls, you know, and they, teams have to do that against Purdue to try to even the score. That, that's the only option you have. So you better have depth because you're going to start racking up the fouls. Rutgers did it and Ohio state did it today. Penn state's going to be doing it tomorrow. And and I think Penn state only plays like seven deep. Like I was looking on their bench. feels like they only play seven deep. They'll probably go a little bit deeper against us or against Purdue just because of ED. Like I assume we'll see some Mahaffey minutes and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, overall they're not, they're not a crazy, crazy deep team. They played, yeah, eight. They played eight today because uh, Clary's really stepped up as of late. He's kind of turned into that backup guard. Well, let's um, go to the chalkboard, Joe. Um, let's do it. You know, uh, I don't know if you have anything dialed up. If I you do, you today. can go right to that. But I certainly also want to know how how Purdue, you know, adjusted with the the ball reversal and find you know the Ohio State having a wide open three and and how they Purdue can prevent that from happening tomorrow again. But if you've got something else dialed up, go ahead. Feel free to start with that. Yeah, I got two of them, and then we I can kind of touch on that. I don't know if there'll be as much chalkboard as more just pure discussion. But have at. I'll just sit here and drink my crown and coke and try to learn something. 
There you go. So this first one, <laughs> you know, Purdue, I saw Purdue run it a bit uh, yesterday in the Rutgers game, and I threaded it on, on my Twitter. Uh, and they went to it a couple times today. And it's just really, it's another way to get into a ball screen and just have your options from there. So starts off, it's a ram empty pick and roll. So empty means that there's nobody in the strong side corner. Um, and then Mason and Gillis, you know, rolls and replaces the end. So it starts off, Gillis sets this ram screen, which just means it's a down screen. And then Edie comes up and sets the pick and roll. So that's that's all that is. And what that does is it just gets Gillis into position right down here. Um, and it gets Edie's defender just moving just a little bit. It's not like going to take Edie's defender completely out. But it does enough. So now as Edie sets this screen, Smith comes off. Edie rolls. Gillis replaces the roll. And so now, you know, Smith is is dribbling in here. You have seven foot four National Player of the Year rolling. Um, you know, maybe this is Morden for or Lawyer or vice versa or Newman or whatever. Uh, so you got shooters here uh, or guys that, that you know, can hit shots for sure. And then Gillis re uh, replaces the role, which is something in general, because his defender often is going to be the one that tags. And that means that he has to come over and step in front of Edie and just basically not his whole job is to not let Edie get the ball. Um, and so as that happens, Gillis can kind of leak out here. And then Smith is, is an elite decision maker, so he can get to a floater if he wants. I think he got Edie once or twice um, on, on the roll and then got Gillis or Gillis didn't make it, but I think he got Gillis once. So that's one of them. Just a good way to get the defense moving, kind of get um, put the defense in rotation or not in rotation, but moving even before it already starts. And then just one other really quick, and it's one yeah, just have really it. take simple. your time. Um, it is. Just this is the smartest this. segment of our entire program, Joe. So let's milk it for everything it's worth. There it is. Okay. So this one is just one that they go, they just go to, and it's really, really simple. And it just gets Edie a post touch, especially today, right? Ohio State was playing more one on one coverage. Um, but like it just, it's such, it's such a good tool to get spacing around Edie. All it is is so you start in this box formation. You know, Smith has the ball here, obviously. Um, it's this is going to be a cross screen here. So Newman comes over the top. This is all all this is. It's clearing out as that happened. Gillis may pop to the corner, may pop here, whatever. Lawyer comes, and then this is you know kind of where the punch happens. So Edie sets a a, down, a pin down here as Lawyer comes up. Pass goes here to Lawyer, and then as that's happening, Edie seals. And so now, as Lawyer gets the ball, you know, so you have shooter with the ball. You have Brainsmith who can shoot. You have you know Brandon Newman who can shoot. You have Mason Gillis who can shoot. Edie, after setting the screen, has now sealed. Um, and then maybe it's more up here and getting closer to the middle. And so now all this is, is this is just a ton of spacing. So now Edie gets the ball, and he has one-on-one -on -one coverage. And it's just an easy bucket. It, it's, it really is just simple. It's a box, cross screen up top, and that's just for spacing. Gillis goes somewhere over in this area. Lawyer comes off of this, pass in, he seals it, and it's just... It's really simple, and Purdue goes to it. I promise you, they'll, if you, they'll go to it at least once a game, um, and then if it works, they're going to keep going to it. That was, I think they went to it three straight times in the second half because um, when um, not when Brown was in, UG Brown was in guarding Edie. They went to it because it's just you have so much spacing around him, and then ball goes in, and, and Edie, you know, Edie can take care of the rest of them there. So those are the two for that. And um, real quick, uh, Chris Ruda. Um, has a question in the chat before you get to my question. And he said, I saw someone mention today that Purdue does an entry pass to start the game to see where the double, if any, comes from. What kind of play is that? Honestly, the one I showed you is one of their staples. Um, that's because when they, because I actually, I think I talked about this a little bit um, on Twitter is 
you know, I, I, and I have no evidence of this. This is just from what I see. I really think that they use the first two, two or three possessions just to see where the double's coming from. Um, and that's just so that way they, they know the information, right? And usually when the, the double's going to happen when Edie's on the block. And so that's, you know, a play like that where, you know, he seals off the pin down and Lloyd throws it in. Because um, what, you know, what else? Another thing like Purdue does really, really well, um, a set that they, they go to is like this horns high low where you're in this like horns formation, um, which is just two up here and then two in the corner, comes off the screen uh, and then he dives past here and then it's just a high low. That's another way that they'll get to a post touch early. Um, but I, I think, you know, that box punch that I said is a good one. Um, but yeah, I, I really do think they use the first two to th- or three possessions just to, and they, to collect. And they, and, you know, it got to a point where they just stopped doubling. They they yeah. were basically saying, we're not going to double and we're going to let Zach get his and try to stop everyone else. And ironically enough, everyone they else just kept making their shots. So that's yeah. kind of a weird, um, you know, outcome for that kind of a strategy, don't you think? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's is what are you supposed to do with him is pretty much what it comes down to. You got to You got to pick your spots in that. Well, so, what do you, I um, mean, what do you think that is? Because like, I almost asked that in the presser to um, Braden. That was the thought I had was, you know, they double so much and you're playing this dance of two ED back out two ED back out. And you see so many times where like Brandon Newman or somebody will rise up and then they'll throw it into Edie because you're trying to pass up a good shot for a great one. That's what Matt Painter preaches. But like, how hard is that for these guys to find their own confidence when they're constantly thinking in the back of their head, like, should I even take this? Because we have this Goliath underneath. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I hadn't thought about that. It's probably, I assume at this point, they're just so bought in that it's not even a second thought, or at least I hope I honestly, I think, I think if it, if you're hesitating on that, you're probably not playing um, under Painter. He's not going to play you at that point if you're not making the right decision. Um, but, you know, that is interesting, especially somebody like Lawyer who struggled first to struggled a bit shooting. Like, uh, you know, you you can pass up shots and get it to Edie. And even if Edie's double teams, like it's not a bad shot. Uh, so that's, yeah, I didn't thought about that, but that is interesting. I feel like you probably yeah. just get through it though. And, and it's your, you just see, it's, the, it's the, the smartness of this segment. That's it's, it's rubbing off on me. Now I'm coming up with good questions that are stumping Joe. Hey, I saw let's, somebody. Craig, let's not get, are you, let's are not you get carried away, Greg. This? Let's not get carried away, Greg. Okay? I am going to get carried away. If you I, I had my first question. Weekend, you know I've been carried away. <laughs> I had my first question ready to go today, and then Greg threw his hand up, and they were like, last question. And I was like, well, there it goes. So Tough. I had my chance. And, <laughs> tomorrow. And you get the question in tomorrow. Me. I wanted to I wanted to ask him about Gillis tagging that, that roller on pick and roll on defense because they got an alley-oop like two or three times real early. And I know it's just practice, but it seemed like, way more purposeful because if you watch the rest of that game i mean gillis gillis made sure he tagged that that roll man on that pick and roll every time just put a body on him to stop him from going to the rim um and i thought he was pretty excellent on defense as well today yeah they they did it a ton um they if you want like the Rutgers game too especially with the mori how elite he is as a lob threat like um and i guess maybe i should just i'll just quickly draw it up just so i didn't see it's 
Usually, let's you know, do you it. Have, you have your ball handler here, um, like Craig said, and then you have a screen here. And so, as he's coming off, you have the roll man. Um, and if it's like, say, if the ball's over here, so then you have whoever's on this weak side defender. It, it could be here, um, like say this is Gillis or something like that. He has to come over and tag. And so, um, tag is just used because sometimes you're literally just like you're just tagging him. But Gillis today was really, really bumping him, and so he just throws him off. Um, and like Greg said, he did a really, really good job. And, and um, they did it against Amori. Like the first two plays, you or whatever, um, not the first play because Akpara bricked a, a three, but whatever that was early, there was no tag. And then <laughs> I'm assuming Painter got on him. And then Gillis was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll tag from here on out. And now there's no um, lob. And then that also just allows Edie to roam. That really does. If, if you can take away that and allow Edie just to protect the rim, it's, and then, you know, teams don't take shots at the rim and then, Fans are mad that ED doesn't get called for fouls. But so now my final question here in the, the chalkboard segment, the array, dry erase board, whatever we call it in this Joe's X's, X's and O's segment, is how do we contain giving up wide open threes when we're doubling the post and they're gonna swing it around to Lundy or you know, um this this weapon in funk that they have at Penn State who has yet to burn us but i wouldn't take that for granted this guy's capable of of ruining your day so i that, that's one of the number one guys i'm worried about keeping contained tomorrow you know at one point in the first half when they were having real problems with this and they gave up like five straight wide open threes and it felt like they knocked down every single one of them i saw the assistant coaches or maybe it was painter but one of them literally went off on mason gillis and was like stay out there and Mason was like, kind of like, well, what about the guy down by the hoop? And he was like, stay out there. And he was like, okay. So now explain to me that conversation and then how they adjusted and how we can prevent this from happening tomorrow. All of yeah, that I, on um, one chalkboard. Well, this, I, um, you know, I think in general, Purdue was really easy to give up the switch in the first half. To It was like a Kelly, because like a Kelly's not a shooter at all. He cannot shoot, um, but he's a six-five physical guard that can get downhill. And so he was just going to the corner, getting Lawyer switch on him, backing him down. And Lawyer, you know, Lawyer Smith, they're too, they're just not big enough. Um, and so like likely could just back him down. And that's where it happened is, you know, you have, I guess we'll go through it. You have him here and, you know, you have your defender, we'll call it Lawyer. Um, and then they're usually, or they were usually, you know, there's space like this maybe, and then maybe they have a guy here. Um, if I think they were, I'm trying to remember where, if they were doubling from here, if they're doubling here, you know, then that means he's here. This defender then has to come over here and step on two. And this guy has to come down here. And I think what OS or Ohio State was doing is they were doing a good job of when they skip this, because this is the pass that's open, right? Is the skip pass. This defender wasn't covering enough and this defender got pinned in pretty hard. Um, so I, I think that was part of it. Really, the adjustment was they just didn't give up the switch in the second half. And part of it was they went Morton and Newman. And so now you, you can't really, you know, attack Smith and Lawyer as much. Um, tomorrow, it's 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 really just scheme. It's If you are going to double pick it in the post, then your rotations just have to be on. The, you know, pass away has to be right in front of, like, right in that passing lane. Two passes away has to probably cover two. And then, um, well, Penn State might space. They space out more. And that makes it maybe a little easier as you can just play gaps. But 
you know, Evie gets caught sometimes kind of doubling or not. Gillis gets caught a little bit at times. Um, I, I think the rotations just have to be on. Or the other answer is you just trust Newman or, or Morton. And you just kind of – if Pickett gets 20 in the paints, like I don't want to say you live with it, but um, you're not giving up threes that way if you stay one-on-one. Well, we have close to 150 people watching live and uh, 113 people now watching on YouTube. Every single one of you people better be hitting the like button for us, please, ladies and gentlemen. We're working hard for you. Do you know? Obviously, we're having a lot of fun with this, uh, so it's not much. I wouldn't uh, define it as work, but at the same time, we'd really appreciate your support by hitting that like button. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please subscribe. Hit those notifications so you know when we're going live because sometimes you just never know when we're going to pop up like tonight, you know, especially in these tournaments. It's kind of, uh, you know, we're kind of just gunning it when it comes to when we're going to start and how we're going to do it. Tomorrow's going to be the same thing, uh, waiting for the results of the game. And then, you know, uh, it'll, it may be a little bit of a longer show because we're going to react to the bracket live and do some different things. But Craig and I will be at the United Center and Joe and Aiden will be at home. So please hit that like button, subscribe to this channel. Uh, we're going to have a lot of great coverage for you here for the rest of March. And, and even after the season is over, we don't want to talk about the season being over, but we have some uh, some good guests, maybe some red shirt guests that might come on here in the in the postseason to talk about next year. But we're worried about this year for right now. Uh, before, before we move on to the next portion of our segment, I do want to shout out our sponsors over at Shire Insurance. And so I will do that just now. And so as life changes, your insurance needs change. Shire Insurance Services in Crown Point, Indiana, representing auto owners insurance, has been helping clients with their changing insurance needs for over 25 years. As an independent agency, we love working with auto owners to provide excellent service to our clients. Buying your first home? Start with Shire. Expanding your business? Start with Shire. Your teenage driver passed the driving test and you're worried about the increased cost in auto insurance? Start with Shire. The first baby is on the way and you want to reassess your life insurance? Start with Shire. Whatever your insurance concern or need, we are ready to help make those things easier for you. So call 663-7274 or search online at www.shireinsurance.com for all your insurance needs. You've dreamed about the perfect house, a place to call your own, and a place to not only stretch out, but to grow. Auto Owners protects your house because to you, it's home. That's simple human sense. Ask Shire Insurance Services, serving Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan, if auto owners make sense for you. Happy to help, man. I was just over there talking to myself anyway. That's right. Shire Insurance. Make sure you hit those guys up. So uh, on our last sponsor here for our shows here on the postgame, and we appreciate all the support uh, here on Boilers in the Stands, is our guys over at Mad Mushroom Pizza. You want the best pizza in the game? Want the best cheese sticks in the game? Order from Mad Mushroom. And when you do, use the coupon code BITS. For 15% off any order you you make, that's the coupon code BITS for Boilers in the Stands for 15% off any order you make at Mad Mushroom. 
uh, located in West Lafayette. They got a few different locations and a brand new location on Sagamore. So make sure you go check them out. Uh, they're as good as it gets, and we appreciate their support here on this show. So, Greg, uh, I gotta I gotta say something after that ad read. You can do whatever you want because I love Shire. You, you need to drop Greg bags from auto insurance. Because after what I experienced going to the United Center and back today, <laughs> if, if listen, what did you experience? If, if you listen, if if you have gone through a driver's education course, Greg Braggs broke at least like thirty rules and norms of what they teach you to do as a driver. Like what, Shire? You need to drop him immediately. Listen, you know, I I. I feel like I drive like Jason Bourne and Jason Bourne is calculated. You know, he, he's a great driver and that's who I am. Is, is it dangerous? That's I, the beholder, you know? So, uh, you know, I'm sorry if you got scared, that's city driving. That's just something that's ingrained in me is city driving. I have no patience for people that don't know how to city drive yesterday. Craig drove. And it took every ounce of my patience to not say anything because I, I'm one of those people and I'm sure there's many out, you, out there that are like this. I don't like being the passenger. I want to drive. And Craig was like, I'll drive. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. you can drive. And the whole time I was just like, oh, I can't do this. I want to drive. So today I got behind the wheel and I showed him what's up, you know? So you know, was there some moments that feel death defying? I mean, not to me because I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm precision. I'm Jason we, we got, Bourne. We got flipped off at least three times today. No Joe. way. At Just least three the times. One person. He got mad because I couldn't decide what lane I wanted to be in. But you know what? They can get over it. I'm trying to get home too. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Everyone, if everyone drives endangerly, then. You know, then we don't have to worry about the safe drivers who are ruining it for everyone else. So I've always said driving to Chicago is safer than driving down 65 on West Lafayette in the two lane highway road. I hate it. So much better with four lanes where I can zip in and out wherever I want to go. And we get there nice and quickly. So sorry for scaring you, Craig, but you're going to have to deal with it again tomorrow. So it's okay, buddy. It's okay. I, I, sur- I survived. Um, I only piddled my pants twice, so we're good to go. Willie wants to know if we took Craig's tractor yesterday. No, we did not. I don't, I don't actually he... own a tractor, so sorry yeah. to disappoint. He does not Are own you a one. farmer, not own a tractor. I guess you're you do animals more. I, it's a long story. I only need it twice a year, and I just rent it from the neighbor. So Midwest Toker says Craig's never driven through Chicago traffic the right way that he did today, ladies and gentlemen. I gave him a crash course, no pun intended, on how you get through the city, the city, nice and quickly. Uh, so let's move on. Um, you know, again, hit that like button, please. We appreciate everybody tuning in. But let's get to some of the individual stats of the game, some of the players that we want to highlight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Chris says, "What you mean? You don't like waiting behind a truck?" I didn't mean to see it, but it's okay. Well, it says you don't like waiting behind a truck, passing another truck. Breaks. No, I don't like waiting, period. I'm in front of everyone. We won't talk about how fast I drive. We just know that I drive really good. Anyway, so Zach Eady, we're starting with him. National player of the year. 
I mean, you heard whispers in the stands that were like, Zach didn't even have a good game because he missed all these bunnies. And the field goal shooting kind of shows that. He was 12 of 25 from the field. Easily could have made eight more of those shots. I mean, they were right at the rim. A couple of them where he felt like he got slapped or fouled or whatever. Uh, But at the end of the day, he ends up with 32 points, 8 of 11 from the free throw line, 14 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 foul, and 1 turnover in 35 minutes of play. So keeping the turnovers down, not fouling. I mean, I think that's the story of the season for Zach Eady of why he's going to win National Player of the Year because the reason he's able to be so effective is, A, he plays so many minutes, but B, the reason he plays so many minutes is because he's able to because he stays out of foul trouble and he has incredible stamina for a guy as big as he is. You know, you know, he has all this skill and talent and everything else, and he's just a force to be reckoned with. But his availability because of his lack of foul trouble and his stamina to be able to play 35 minutes and not really look winded throughout while the guy that's guarding him looks tired as a dog. So, you know, credit to Zach Eady once again, putting on a show at the United Center. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was awesome. The National Player of the Year, like, you know, we based on the mess matchup and stuff, like we kind of, ex- I thought we expected a big game from him. Um, you know, he's, I don't want to say he struggled as of late, but he hasn't put up the insane numbers. And this is the matchup that he can. And then Penn State is another matchup where he possibly could, depending on what they do. Um, but you know, this is, this is the perfect matchup for Edie. Uh, no, you know, one big and, and he's still young. He's, re- he's going to be good. Um, but young and, and they just couldn't, they legit couldn't do anything. Like you, you double him and then he's going to make the right read. Um, you know, you leave him one-on-one and he, he's just going to get us get to whatever spot he wants. It's literally 12, 25 today from the field. It felt like it should have been 16 or 17. Like he could have easily had 40, I think today. No, he should have had 40. I mean, there were so many shots today that he normally makes. And I have no idea how many balls were halfway down and popped back out for both TKR and for Edie both today. But, I mean, we win by, what, I think 14. Really, that should have been a 25-point win. Zach could have easily had 40. TKR could easily had 10. It's just... For whatever reason, for both of those guys, the ball just wasn't going down on shots that they normally do. And and like I said, I mean, multiple of them were halfway down and just popped back out. I, don't, I have no idea what was happening there. Yeah, no, it, it was tough. Yeah, um, and then another point that I wanted to bring up in one of our uh, starred comments yeah. uh, from Derek Luchik, um, was anyone still amazed at how many rimmed out for Edie was one of them. And then the other one that I wanted to bring up was uh, Taterology says Edie's extended defense looked really good today. And I agree with this. And, uh, Joe, I, you know, I, I want you to touch on this as well, because, you know, I feel like one of the things that we see with Zach is obviously guys trying to put, pull him out to the three point line. And as I was explaining to some people around me, like, yeah, you, you think that's a good matchup because it's a mismatch. You see it in the NBA all time, a guard gets switched on a big and, and there's Zach Eady on an island. I think the only guy to really take advantage of that was uh, Michigan State's guard at Michigan Walker. State when uh, yeah, uh, Walker just went absolutely insane making some shots. But the thing I think people don't realize is while on its surface it looks like a mismatch, 
you got to really separate yourself from Zach from the three-point line. You even got to take a step back or two because, yeah, you can you can get him, you know, uh, moving his feet and then pull up for the shot, but he's still going to adjust your shot. You you can't just shoot your normal form and and arc. You have to adjust your arc when he's you know putting his hand up like he does. And, you know, it's it's just not easy whether you're inside or outside. So, you know, I I agree with this. There was a few times that Zach Eady came out on the perimeter and the guys didn't knock down shots because he's affecting them no matter where he is on the court. Yeah, I think that's the thing is, and when we think of when Walker burned Eady, it was, what, two step backs that were contested and it's just like, all right, good, like, good shot, like legitimately good shot. You made a good shot. And then the other one was when he moved off ball. This one-on-one, like Thorn, Thorn did it today. He gets he gets the switch for Meaty, and what does he do? He settles into like a pull-up three, three feet behind the line. Like I think cards get this mismatch, and they're mismatch, and they're like, "Oh, this is a good like let let me go to work." And then they're like, "Wait a sec." Um, not saying that Ed won't get Cantor won't get burned, but I think it's a little more difficult than t- than players think. Like the only ones that can do it is if you have really good body control and move like you can change your speed. If you run one speed at Zach Eady towards the rim, Eady's going to time it. Like he, he's his first move is going to be back. He's not going to, you know, he's not jumping up there. Like his first move is going to be back to the rim. If you can change speed, then that's when you get him a little bit in trouble. Like Cuchfino did a bit, but when guards go straight at him, like I've, I've been kind of saying it all year, is like it, it doesn't usually work for him. It really doesn't. Like you yeah, got to I mean, get him you, moving first. You try to get him on the pick and roll. He's going to follow you to the rim and swat that into the yep. stands or off the backboard. As you mentioned, the change in the speed where he has to like stop and start is where you might get him. And those that are good at like going up and under and doing some different things. So it's almost like if Zach's already in the post and you're coming right at him when he's at a standstill, then you go around him, go up and under. That's almost more beneficial than if you carry him out to the three point line and then you try to play a, a you know a race to the hoop because Zach moves his feet well and he's got good speed. And he's got good, you know, good feet for a big a guy his size. He's going to, he's going to, like you said, he's going to chase you down. He's going to time it. He's going to block it. So, you know, I think that is an underrated part of Zach's game uh, that was on display at times today. So I, I thought that was a, a salient point by um, Taterology. Taterology. So, uh, Taterology. Uh, so let's go on to some other guys um, and talk about, you know, some more individual play. And let's just, I mean, I know we talked a lot about Brandon Newman. So, Joe, I'll just let you handle this quickly because, you know, we talked a lot about his impact. But specifically in this game, you know, the numbers-wise, maybe talk about some of the things he did well on the offensive side of the ball. 15 points, 5 of 7 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 3 of 4 from the line, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, 3 fouls in 32 minutes of play. You know, he just continues to really be an impact player for this team now that he's in the starting lineup yeah um you know he did he did a great job um i will say like newman newman played great he was a little bit of the the garbage time uh you know merchant today uh, eight of his 15 <laughs> came in the final oh bitcoin's gonna be on your ass for that one no he played really well i'm not saying that i'm just saying the pure points he did score eight in the last two and a half minutes but honestly and that's something i wanted to bring up is like for a guy like Newman that, you know, you want to keep getting his confidence up and up, like, yeah, like it's kind of, you know, it's, it's funny to be like, oh, you know, he scored, he scored ha- over half his points in garbage time, but like 
that's important. Like that's now momentum carried into the next game. Um, keep the jumper going. We know the defense is there. And that was, you know, that was the mistakes in the defense was when a month and a half ago, Newman was terrible at both, like just straight up was bad at both. And he's changed that. He's absolutely changed that. He is now, you know, our, he is probably the best perimeter defender, him or Borden. Um, he's making smart decisions. You see it. He's not, he's not forcing a shot. He's passing up good look or okay looks for, you know, getting Edie in the post. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I really think we hit on all the Newman stuff. Like he's, he's very much needed for this team. He provides an element that we don't have. He's amazing. He's amazing. Bitcoin, uh, Sydney, once again, I'm impressing people with my words said salient. And now everybody's blown away. Cause the, the meatball bricklayer brought out another good word. I don't know where they come from. My mom was in English. Your mom, so your that's mom. Where, that's where they came from. Shout Give out up. to Barb. English major taught me good words. Uh, so did Sports Center and movies, but mom, first and foremost. Um, before we go on to another player that we want to highlight, uh, Richard Scott King brings up something that we haven't brought up in today's show that kind of gets lost in the in the mist of uh, you know, a, a pretty you know, a 14 point win. So it, it doesn't feel as significant as it did in the moment. But at you know, in the first half, Ohio State was in control. At one point, they had a nine-point lead or so, and they're knocking down threes. And I'm looking at Craig like, here we go. We're going to be in another dogfight. And Purdue started to claw away, but then right as Purdue was starting to get to a point where they could tie the game, they make a basket, and then there's a foul underneath the hoop on Zach Eady. And then they review it, and it becomes a hook and hold, which is then two shots and ball for Purdue after the made basket. And it was a huge swing of momentum, six points before Ohio state got the ball back. And before you know it, Purdue is up and they never looked back after that. Uh, Craig, you know, your observations when that happened and you know, how much of a momentum swing was that? Did they call that on ED initially? I, I thought they called a common foul on the Ohio State player. Right. And they, I didn't. It. Yeah. They. They. It was a common foul that they then reviewed and turned it into a hook and hold. Yeah, and, and it was. I mean, letter of the law, hook and hold. Like I, I don't even think it was close. And and from the video review that I saw, I thought it was pretty obvious. But yeah, I mean, that was a huge momentum change, and I think Purdue was already kind of starting to. You you felt the momentum shifting before that. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I mean, that was, I think it was a four point swing really, but that, that obviously cut it. And then, you know, we continued momentum later in that half and Jenkins hit a big three, uh, later, um, that I think was also huge, just momentum wise, uh, for Purdue as we tried to climb back into it. And then that just fed over into a, a pretty dominant second half. I, I take a little bit of issue with Joe's, um, garbage time comment with Newman because I, I, I did not feel comfortable uh, right down the stretch oh. there. So like, I, I would not call those true garbage time points. That's like fair. he hit, he hit some shots when, if we don't hit those shots, the game gets a heck of a lot more interesting. And we saw it in the Penn state IU game uh, when Braggs was rolling his eyes at me when I wanted to stay um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that that can happen. Um, so I, I wouldn't call those garbage time points uh, by any stretch of the uh, of the means for me personally. Yeah, let me paint. The, I was. Let me, let me paint the picture, Joe. Because at okay. the end of the IU game, they're up nine with like a minute to go, 
And I left my seat where I was sitting with my cousin. I come over to Craig, who's a few rows ahead of me, sitting with Brian Tonsoni and Steve Painter from Delphi Bracketology. And I said, Craig, let's go. And he's like, the game ain't over yet. I'm like, it's over. It's a nine-point game. It's over. And then I'm like, fine, whatever. We'll sit here. This is stupid. And then as – 40 seconds later, they cut it to two. And each time they cut the lead, Craig would just give me this ominous look. And then when they cut it to two, I look over and he's already looking at me with this death stare. (laughs) And it like, it was like the girl in the water boy. That's like, that's what it's going to be. And I look over and he's like, like, I was like, God damn it, this is happening right now, isn't it? And then luckily it didn't happen, but I wanted to give some context because it was a really funny moment at the end of the day today. Yeah, that's fair. I did not go expect... ahead with your rebuttal to, to Craig. Oh, as far as the I was in concerned. my head, I was, and I, you know, maybe I was optimistic. I, with about 10 left, 10, 12 left, I was like, this game's over. Um, I, I was, I just didn't think Ohio State had an answer. So at that point, we we're like, seven minutes past me thinking it's over and that's probably why i thought it's closer garbage time also i bring it up because when ohio state the last time when Purdue won by like 20 uh sense ball put up like 11 points against the actual walk-ons um and newman didn't do that newman was not that so there i i should clarify yeah and he's taking it to the rim at the end right you know a few of them yeah. where he's taking no, he was, it to the it rim, nice shots. off the glass and yeah, it, it wasn't over. I mean, you know, I mean, Purdue I was d- does what they have to do, and they're pretty good at the end of the game this year with when they have a lead like that. Um, so, but Brandon taking it to the rim like that, getting comfortable, you know, being aggressive, not just from the three point line, is only going to help him here tomorrow and going forward in March. Well, and yeah. and and. I, in the past, I've gotten nervous when he's tried to use his dribble drive, if I'm being honest, because, um, you know, Brandon didn't come in with the best handle uh, when he came to Purdue. Uh, that's been well documented by some other uh, comments from previous players that have been on the show and whatnot. And and that's really why he redshirted. Uh, just handle wasn't good enough that first year. And then, you know, even at times over the last couple of years, anytime he tries to attack off the dribble, I'd, I'd get a little bit of an empty pit feeling in my stomach. Um, but man, the last three, four or five games, he's made some really good moves and he, he doesn't have to attack all the way to the rim. Uh, you know, that's what he's done really well before he would go. And once he went, he already had his mind made up of what he was doing. And now he's reading it as he's attacking or he's attacking not with the purpose to get all the way to the rim. He's attacking just to get two feet in the paint. That forces all the rotation on defense to change, moves people around, and then he can find somebody from there. And he's doing that really well. And if he stops and people sag off him, he just shoots that little five-footer. Um, and, and I think that element of his game has has greatly changed the outlook of what he can do offensively. Yeah, 100%. So, Joe, this is what we do here. And – Michael Hogg asks a question, and you're going to bust out that chalkboard again. He says, Joe, can Joe bring the clipboard back out and go through how Caleb was open for dunks, but the backdoor lanes were closed? Um, yeah, I mean, and actually this is <laughs> this works because I want, to trans- I want it to transition to, well, 
I wanted to hit on first at some but at some point. I let's talk first. We'll get to Braden Smith here in a second, but let's talk yeah, first. Let's let's, let's, let's talk. We give the people what they want here on Boilers in the Stands. Yeah, let's talk first. First, and shout out to everybody that, that was coming. that's tuning in or may tune in later that's seen us at the United Center over the last couple of days and said hi. We really appreciate that. It means a lot to us. Uh, we got stopped on the way out. Uh, and and we really appreciate that, you know, because it uh, at least for me it, it it shows the work we're putting in here. And I know the the guys feel the same way when we meet some of you in person. We'd love to meet all of you in person. Maybe we'll do a big meetup next year. Uh, so we appreciate that. So Michael has got his question. Let's find out how those those dunks got uh, you know fed to Caleb first. Yeah, and, and it's just basic principle um, for Purdue is you know. You have Edie with the ball here, right, down here in the post. And I think this leads to another point of, like, if you don't double the post normally, like, your rotations are just out of whack, and it's tough to guard. Um, and so, you know, Edie's here, we'll say. And then this first, honestly, could be – he could be here. Uh, he could be here. He could be here. He could be here. He could be here. It doesn't actually matter where he's at. He's going to just dive. He's going to this opposite block right here. And that's, you know, that's where he's ending up, and that's – that's a Purdue thing. That's a Gillis thing. It doesn't really matter who's at the four. As I look for my eraser, there it is. Um, and so on this one, you know, I think he had one where he comes, you know, he's here. And so his defender is here, um, comes over, doubles. First just comes here. And like, as you, if you have another guy up here, he has to come down and stop first. Um, but it, it just wasn't there because Ohio State didn't rotate well. Um, and it, even if, if, you know, Edie's here and gets it and first is up here and he cuts, if his guy comes to double and, you know, we have a, somebody over here, again, this defender has to come over and step in this lane. Otherwise, it's an easy pass. And, um, you know, teams are in the Big Ten especially are really, really good at it because they just have to play it all the time. Um, I think that just that's kind of a segment that shows, like, where Ohio State struggled, right? Like, just not a great defensive team. Uh, and that was one of the things is, like, you just don't rotate well. And, um, I think it gives me a, a little hope for March too. Of like, if these you know teams, if these teams haven't had to double the post normally in their life or in you know in their season, like um, it's tough to just put in, especially on the if it's a, the second game and you have a one day game plan to do it. Like, if you're not normally doing it, it's tough to do. Um, you got to be sharp. Like Purdue wasn't sharp with theirs today, and they normally do it, um, and they got burned. So I, that's that's where it is, and then. The backdoors in general, I think he's just saying in the flow of the offense. Um, I think that's just the way Ohio State played defense. Pretty aggressive. They're not going to help a ton. Um, and, and that just kind of shuts down. Like if somebody's cutting, they're going to stay with them. I think that's that would be my answer there. But Yeah. So, so here's the – here. oh, that's not it. Um, I was just showing this um, – the drop-off. This is exactly yep. what we're talking about. He comes over indecisive. And he, yeah, off. indecisive doesn't double strong enough, you know. And you're kind of caught in an, on an island. You're trying to play both guys. Edie can go right over you. I know this was probably not one of their better opponents in the season, but there's an example of it. Uh, so let's go to um, let's go to Braden Smith. You know, um, uh, Craig just just pulled up a stat, and I want him to read it off. I will say, Corey. Lesney's in the chat and being vocal about Brandon Newman. We have now put, you know, a halt on any Brandon Newman slander. 
here on Boilers in the Stands. No, so, don't say don't say slander. No it was slander. just critique. It, no, was yeah, critique. it was it was, it was critique. critique. We weren't yeah. slandering well, him. Yeah, of course not. We're just not saying we're literally you're only allowed to say positive things about Brandon Newman because we've talked about him so much this year and he is balling out. And he loves saying the saying that I love saying, which is brick by brick. He's from the region. So there will be no anything but positive about Brandon Newman. We are, yes, we are overreacting about Brandon Newman because he deserves the overreaction because he's playing out of his mind. And he's going to lead us to a damn Final Four. So here comes our breakdown. Yeah, I said it to Braden Smith. Uh, and I'll read off the stats of the game for Braden. And then, Craig, I'll let you take it away with some of the stuff on a historical measure that Braden's doing. He had 14 points on five of five shooting, two of two from the three-point land, two of two from the free throw line, five rebounds, five assists, one foul, one turnover in 30 minutes of play. So we have three guys on this team that played over 30 minutes, Zach Eady, Brandon Newman, and Braden Smith, and they had a combined two turnovers amongst the three of them in almost a hundred minutes of play in today's game. So Braden Smith, a big reason why Purdue was able to pull away. Uh, and, and I thought Braden played an extremely good game today. I, I think he had one time where he got off his feet under the basket and made a bad decision. But out, outside of that, um, I, I thought he was just really, really good and really balanced in terms of when he decided to attack, when he decided to pass. There was a couple of different times where they were trying to get it to Zach and the system offense wasn't working and he just drove down, pivoted, and he he likes to drive down to the same side as him, get two people to come to him and then pivot back and throw that little bounce pass to Zach down there, which is, that's not an easy, like, it may look easy, but that is not something that's easy to do in terms of getting uh, defenders to commit and then making that pass and making that pass accurately. That's really, really hard to do. Um, but I, I just thought, for the most part today, his decision-making was on point. And and I still, I, I will say it, and I will say it over again, I think before it's said and done that Braden Smith's going to go down as one of the all-time point guards in Purdue history. And there's some numbers that were put out today that backs that up. So per Purdue men's basketball account, Braden Smith became the fourth freshman in Big Ten history with 330 points, 140 rebounds, and 140 assists. The other three people on that list, Magic Johnson, D'Angelo Russell, who's having a good NBA career, and Jaquan Lyle from Ohio State, who was a heck of a college player. Um, I mean, that's some amazing company to be in and, and magic he's just, Johnson, <laughs> right? He, he's balling out. And, and I got, you know, I told you earlier, Greg, I, I kind of got into it with, I really, I'm a big fan of Greg Waddell from sleepers media and field of 68, but we got into it a little bit earlier today on Twitter because he was talking about Purdue handling the press and he was kind of throwing in at Braden. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> nah, that, that's not the direction you need to throw that because, you know, um, in the games where Braden's been pressed, it's it's not really been Braden who's turned the ball over when we've struggled with it. It's normally that second ball handler that the ball goes to that sometimes we get in some trouble. Uh, Braden has really few turnovers in actual press situations himself. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was gone for half a sec. But um, it's not know, okay. I, yeah, my bad. You're fine. Uh, 
I, it's okay. Uh, I do it all the time, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> I do it all the time. I Joe. fired okay. Craig yesterday for his Michael Jordan slander in the United Center, the house that Jordan built. And now you're fired. So it would basically just be me rambling. We're back to brags in the stands. That wouldn't be good. We need you. I need you guys. So you're both but, rehired. We were talking about Braden Smith and his greatness pretty much, right? Yeah. Sunrises. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he broke down the numbers. I don't know mm-hmm. if you want to read them again to Joe, That's- Craig, but... He basically go ahead and read him again. How about we do that? Yeah. Well, yeah. The fourth freshman in Big Ten history with 330 points, 140 rebounds, and 140 assists. And the other four, three people were Magic Johnson, D'Angelo Russell, and Jaquan Lyle from Ohio State. Uh, that's pretty pretty decent team. company. I mean, that's that's how I feel when I'm in the room with Greg, Joe, and Aiden. Like yeah. that's that's my mom. Well, <laughs> get him, mom. He's there's there's no allowance of stepping away. No, I'm kidding. We can step away. But you know, and you weren't here, but Craig basically said he's better than Magic Johnson. I thought it was yeah. a steep prediction, but he said that, that what and I, I said. was like, I'm all for it. But it's lofty expectations. Magic Johnson, one of the greatest to ever play the game. Maybe but the greatest. I, I said he's better. I was back for I was back for that part when Craig was like. Braden yes. Smith is better than it was Magic Craig Bowers of Boiler Die Hard said Braden you know, Smith is better than Magic Johnson. Rayfell yeah. Davis said he would lock up Pickett, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and Craig saying Braden Smith would give Magic Johnson the business. And if we got to bring Walter Jordan on again and, and prove that to him, and I highly recommend our lowest viewed interview of this year, and it really pisses me off, honestly. Me too. Me too. Is the Walter good. Jordan interview. And it's probably our best interview timing wise. I don't know, but anybody watching this show can scroll back on our timeline on YouTube and watch the Walter Jordan interview where we talk historical basketball from his playing days going up against Larry bird in high school. He has stories of Larry bird when he was in high school. The man was amazing, passionate, positive, and talked a lot of big picture stuff about the boilers. If you haven't watched the Walter Jordan interview, like get the hell out of here and go watch it right. Like it, honestly, or, it, it irritates me. He was such an amazing guest. He probably is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done across any sport. So please go watch the Walter Jordan interview. It irritates no, it, me that it didn't get enough play. It, it was it was. When I wasn't there for that show, right? I think I had to watch that show, and right. like maybe it's because maybe it's because I wasn't on it then. But that like literally is our, my favorite show of any show that we've done, and I wasn't on it. That was it my was, suggestion uh, as a that was my suggestion as a guest though. So that's my claim to fame. That my favorite interview, I at least suggested the guest. You brought on Rafael Davis twice. Jared Harder was great. Another interesting, unique interview, and Walter Jordan just was amazing. And we're gonna bring him on again. He's become somewhat of a friend of this show. And Before uh, we, we jump, yeah, we, if ahead. you don't want to watch the video, you can, you know, subscribe. We're on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Just plug it in, you know, driving, whatever, um, walk, going for a walk, whatever you're doing. Just you can listen on the podcast too. You don't get the visuals, so we do obviously recommend that because that's part of what we do here. Um, but there is that too for for those that want to just kind of have it on as they're going about their business. Yeah, there's one of my. One of my tangents. Once we get past the hour mark, the tangents start growing. And that this, was one this show's pretty was, this show might be two and a half hours. I'm gonna be honest. We got a lot to cover. Yeah. And we're giving hey, the, the for the people, record. I'm having fun. Tomorrow's gonna about, be I'm scared for how long tomorrow's show will be. I really hope you talked about Rafael Davis. And yeah. for the record, 
I he was talking about taking people on in, in like pregame when he was out there shooting around, and I went at him and said I'd take him on one on one right then, and he backed down. I don't wow. know. I'm just saying. I tried. I, to... I offered, and he said no. So, and I was talking to Bobby Riddell while Rafael Davis was taking jumpers on the on the court that Michael Jordan once graced. And he was knocking some down, and and I tried to get Bobby to take Rafe one on one, and I was gonna video it, but Bobby, I guess, didn't want that smoke or something. We're gonna have to ask him. I don't know. Then I threatened Bobby that I could post him up, and he claimed he'd hit me with that Jordan fadeaway. So, a lot of fun stuff. It's kind of uh, the beauty of being able to get in there early before anybody else is there. You, you mean the Kobe out. fadeaway, right? Craig, listen. <laughs> Man, you're pissing me off. Something fierce. So, uh, you know, some of these images you're seeing here today that we've been bringing up. Here's Caleb first on some of these backdoor dunks and and Edie dropping them off. They come from Indiana Sports Coverage. Make sure you follow them on t- Twitter at ISC underscore Purdue. They're good friends of ours, uh, good friends to the show. Uh, Dave Kovich, Ben Kalinzinski, and the whole gang over there does such a great job covering all Purdue sports. And these images come from them. So uh, make sure you're following them all day long. And um, we'll continue to shout them to the mountaintops. Uh, and, and there's somebody in that picture that we may or may not interview here in the next two months. Uh, you'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, it's fun to see the guys getting excited, you know, on the on the sidelines. Because, you know, they're, they're, they're having an opportunity to get another trophy tomorrow, let that confetti come raining down on him again. Get used to that, you know, because it's funny when teams lost on Friday as we were walking out, you'd hear fans go, well, like Illinois fans or whoever, they're like, well, now they get some extra rest before the tournament. Like you just play the rationalization game. And if Purdue had lost, we would have been doing the same thing. I mean, it's just what fans do. Uh, But now you're here, you get to the, the championship. Today was somewhat of a, I'm not going to say easy game, but it wasn't the bloodbath that the Rutgers game was, you know, as far as physicality is concerned. Now you go up against Penn State and you know it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, certainly be interesting to see how that transpires. But now that you're there, you might as well go win the whole damn thing. So it'll be interesting to see if they can. Uh, but now that we've touched on Braden Smith, Brandon Newman, Zach Eady, uh, Caleb first to an extent. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody else individually that you want to yes. take a look at. Go ahead, Craig, fire away. Uh, David Jenkins Jr. Yes, um, I, I have said all year, said it multiple times on this show, that I still thought he he was going to have his time when he was really important. And, and for me, I really thought that was going to be postseason where – you know, freshmen are experiencing that for the first time and you need experienced leadership to step up. And you kind of wondered if David could just turn it on at, at different times. And we, we've seen him do it in his shot clock, but uh, maybe not super consistently at times when he could turn it on, turn it off. But man, he's proven me right so far because the last two games, he has just stepped up really big in some big spots and he is shooting. He is stepping into his shot so confidently right now. And I, I put out a tweet when he uh, when we were going for like that two for one, and he shot the ball like in the first six seconds of the shot clock. Like, like what what is David Jenkins Jr. doing? He's not allowed to shoot the ball unless there's three seconds on the shot clock. But I think his experience and just being comfortable in big time moments. I think he's going to pay big, big time dividends as we finish out tomorrow and then look at the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, I think, you know, he's has the leadership. He has just the pure shot-making ability of I'm just going to get a bucket. I think I saw a clip on uh, the Purdue socials of, uh, you know, Jenkins just was basically at that 10 and a half, Jenkins, Painter told Jenkins just like, hey, fire that thing up. Like, don't worry about the clock. Just fire that thing up. And then Jenkins was like, all right, bet. Like, I'll, I'll do that. Um, knocks it down, obviously. Yeah, because when he, when he put that up, you know, we're also trained by – we are also trained as fans by Matt Painter and what he preaches. Uh, you know, they get the ball back with however many seconds, but they can take the last shot. So anytime somebody gets a rebound and the shot clock is null and void, you go, last shot, last shot. That's what any good basketball watcher will say. And David Jenkins comes down the court and pulls up with seven seconds left, and I'm sitting next to Craig. I'm like, what are you doing? And then he knocks it down, I'm like – Nice. Never mind. I'll just shut up over here in the stands. Yeah, I forgot about that moment. You were, <laughs> I as soon as it left his hand, I said that's good. And at the same time, you were saying, "What are you doing?" And then he hit it, and I just, I, I that was, I stared at you a lot today. I turned and just kind of went like, "You, you give me glares. You do. I, I mean, I say a lot of stupid things, so I get it. <laughs> but I do get the Craig glare a handful of times every day." Yes. And that's and fine. Anybody, I, you know, I any, need I need to be checked. You know, I'm I'm off the rails. I'm I'm wearing my heart on my sleeve. I'm passionate, and I'm also and crazy for people that don't and know, a little stupid. So you know, there's right. all that to deal with. For the people that don't know, the Craig Bowers glare. Just just ask my former students or my children. They will tell you that Craig Bowers yelling is not intimidating, but my stare can look right through your soul. So Greg got to great. When I knew got into two boys was the best one I got of the day. Greg, Greg literally shriveled in his chair just from my stare. It just looks right through you. <laughs> if I, you had won that game, I don't know if I could have rode home with him. <laughs> might not. We might have had to call an Uber because <laughs> it was not going to end well for me. It was I. I basically jinxed it at that point. So, uh, you know, somebody asked in the chat, Joe. You know, why did David Jenkins' uh, minutes shrink today? Just match up, flow of the game. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know. As good as Jenkins is, he's, he's still 6-1, and you can't, you know, you can only play him so much with Smith. Um, he was good. He knocks down shots. He's doing what he needs to. It's, I think it's just matchup. I think there's going to be a game if, you know, there could be a matchup in the tourney. He plays 25 minutes. I think there's a matchup that if Smith's just, you know, going off and, you know, maybe Jenkins plays 8-10. to 10. Um, So, I, you know, I think it's probably, it's more just matchup and flow. Um, and, and I think that transitions me. I, I know we're kind of wrapping up the Ohio state stuff, but my last thing I want to talk, talk about painter just one more time. Like, well, real quick before you do, uh, and you're happy to, you're welcome to talk about whatever you want, Joe, but Willie Dean says 22 points to go. And I'm assuming he's referring to David Jenkins getting to 2000 points. So, you know, they have a lot of motivation to move on in March, but uh, this is probably a, a, a big one. I, I hope that they, use as some sort of a rallying cry. Let's get David Jenkins to 2000 points. He sacrificed to come play for Purdue. He thought he was going to be a starter. He graciously accepted the role when Braden Smith showed just how talented he is as a point guard. And here David Jenkins is playing on one of the best teams in the country, winning a big 10 championship, having a chance to win a big 10 tournament championship. And he still can achieve the goal of 2000 points potentially with 22 to go 
So you need a good handful of games for him to get to that point. So let's get the push for David Jenkins Jr. to get to 2,000 points in his career. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I have no good transition to talk about Painter, but I want to talk about Painter. Um, <laughs> I, I was looking for something and just nothing. I was like, all right, well, we're just, this is a flop. You got to work on your segues there, Joe. Yeah, no, I do for sure. Um, you know, everybody's got to watch film. I, I know I got some stuff, maybe even with the X's and O's. Like, I, I got to get in the lab um, off season. You know, we'll come back even better next year. But I thought Painter pushed all the right buttons today. I really did. You know, like I said early, he was given the switch, or Purdue was given the switch of lawyer going on to likely um, when they were, you know, putting likely at the three. Uh, and then he just backs them down, double comes, and then you're out of rotation and they hit like 85 threes, it felt like. Um, you know, so to counter that, he goes with the Morton Newman lineup, which is a defense lineup. Now that works really well in this game, right? Because the Morton Newman, when Morton Newman are in, especially if it's with first two, that offensive lineup is not good, just straight up. Like it has not been good. But if you have Edie going like today, then it can be fine because it doesn't, you know, Newman and Morton can both shoot the ball pretty well um, or, or whatever you want to call their shooting at this point. But you know, they can shoot the ball. So now Edie gets his going and, and it doesn't matter really who's around him because he has one-on-one. Um, so he goes to the Newman Morton, just kind of shuts down o- Ohio State on their early run. Um, and then even in the second half when, you know, the first sub likely comes in and Lawyer gets subbed out, it was straight in the second half. Um, you know, it was it was back to just matching up there. And then even when Lawyer was in, they're now, now, they were not given the switch. I saw Lawyer was, you know, fought through screens better and stuff like that or not better, but it was just schemes. It was, he fought through. Now they're not giving up the switch. Now Purdue is in rotation. Now Ohio state's getting more and more tired because they're having to work harder for shots. Now their bigs are in even more foul trouble and now likely playing the five. And it just kind of cycled from there. And I, I just thought for, you know, I think there's maybe not this year as much, but there's been pushback on painter of like not making good adjustments and stuff like that. Um, and not saying that he's, above criticism, but I thought he was phenomenal today. And that that's kind of just all I wanted to say about that. Well, and Painter openly talks about his learning curve. I, I mean, if you listen to him in the post-game press conference today where he talks about it's a copycat league and you steal from people and you watch the NBA and you watch other leagues and everything else, he's been really, really open about, like, I, I was who I was then and I continue to learn. And he talks about – there's some camp that when he was just starting out in coaching that he went to, and I heard him in, in um, some some podcast or, or show just just talking about the fact that he still goes there now, and that a lot of coaches like once they get oh, successful, yeah. quit going, and, and he goes, "I'm always learning, I'm always searching," and and I'm with you. I think just this season as a whole, I think he's been more on point with adjustments and and strategy than he's been any year um without a doubt and and i don't and i i think the proof is in the pudding a little bit and i don't want to offend anybody uh, or offend anybody about this team but like i don't don't think this is purdue's most skilled team that he's ever had i'm not sure that it's even the second most skilled team that he's ever had but you add painters acumen in terms of of learning and changing and growing and knowing how to use certain lineups and how to take advantage of certain mismatches and situations and he's figured that out to the nth degree with this team right now and it is a really good team with a bunch of skilled players yeah absolutely um painters been in his bag all year long which is why he should have won 
coach of the year. And every person, every single person, I won't name names, every single person that I've quizzed on who do you think, Matt, because the coaches vote. Uh, don't don't go here. Don't go here. Don't go, go here. There. Every time I don't, don't go here. I'm doing it. Every single person. Hey, I'm quizzed. your get back coach. I'm your get back Listen coach. Don't here. go there. All right. Now you're muted. So every single person I've quizzed on because the coaches co- vote for coach of the year in the Big Ten. Every single person I've quizzed, I've said, who do you think Matt Painter voted for? Every single person says Chris Collins. And then I say, who do you think Chris Collins voted for? And every single person smirks and then says Chris Collins. That's all you need to know. I don't care what anybody says. All due respect to Chris Collins. I understand why he did it. I know Matt Painter well enough to know that he would never vote for himself in a million years. So I would push all my, I'll put my whole mortgage on it. I have no doubt. Uh, You know, so, but I do love um, that we have a MSC fan. Yeah, we have a Michigan State fan in our chat. Welcome. Earlier, we had an Illinois fan. He is a friend. His name's Chubbs. Total jackass, but I love him. He's my friend. And then we also had an IU fan in my other friend, uh, you know, Air Jair, you know. Um, so now we have a Michigan State fan. So we're all the fan bases are coming together here to find out about Boilers in the stands. And that's a great thing. Uh, so, you know, you know, so welcome, you know, uh, YT Sparty, White Sparty. I don't know what, it, you know, your YouTube, name is. YT. Whitey Sparty. I don't know. But he's a Sparty. And you know what? Make him welcome in the chat, even if he says wrong things. So it's all good. Um, let's look around the, the the landscape of college basketball. I think unless you have anybody else you'd like to touch on uh, individually or anything else, maybe we can. Maybe we I can. That, I think ahead. that's it. Because I still, you know, right. I still want to talk about the Penn State game a bit too. Okay, and then that, also that, this. Right, that's a, that. That's a good order of operations. Let's let's have you preview the Penn. What you think going into the Penn State game? Then to end the show, we'll talk about the landscape of college basketball. And anybody we want to talk about the Big Ten as far as who's going to make the tournament or not and seeding and otherwise. But as far as your preview for Penn State, Purdue, tomorrow afternoon at the United Center for the Big Ten Tournament Championship. Yeah, I think so. I think my first thing, right. So Purdue won both games by they won the first one by 13, second one by 20. The second game, in terms of analysis, you kind of just toss out the window, I think. Um, unless Gillis makes nine threes again, but then the analysis is Purdue wins and, and Gillis hit nine threes, and that's pretty much about it. Um, you know, I, it's just not likely, but, you know, the third, the other, the first win, um, the 13 point win, it, it was close at half. Um, Pickett got going, but that was really it. Lundy had a few. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting chess match, right? Like Penn State is obviously going to play small. Um, they'll throw Najai in a little bit, uh, you know, maybe 20 minutes, and that's really their only true big. They'll throw, I mean, they'll throw Hen in some too, um, but even then, they're both, you know, he's six eight, and so it's how does Purdue match the spacing and shooting that uh, Penn State has one through five, but how does Penn State match Edie? And the first matchup, it was Smith and Edie, the pick and roll. Um, Smith torched them, just absolutely played with them in, in that first matchup. 
I think Penn State's much better defensively now, and I think they've shown that in this tourney, and that's why they're here, right? They've won three very close games, um, and it hasn't been elite shooting. I don't think off the top of my head, I don't think I'm pulling up the stats now. Um, yeah, 38, 35, and 35% of their pet for three their past three games. You know, that that's what we're going to get tomorrow, right? They're Or that's probably the minimum, right? They're going to hit 35 to 38, and then you just hope that they don't go more. The first, the very first thing that I'm going to watch is one who gets picket. Um, and this, if assuming it's the same starters, it's going to be Newman. And then it's does Painter trust Newman one on one with picket in the post? Um, if you can do that, and it's a big if because picket is so dang good, uh, if you can trust him, it makes it a lot easier because now you can stay at home, right? You can stay at home on the shooters, you don't have to help, you don't have to get in rotation, but picket's so good that he might just drop 20 on, on post-ups. Um, so that'll be the first thing. And then, uh, you know, kind of the second thing is, is, is just what do they do with Edie? I assume they double on the catch. Um, and so now, you know, guys are going to have to step out and, and um, you know, make some shots, cut well first in Gillis. Uh, but, you know, I I just I just don't know how they stop Edie and Smith in pick and roll is where I'm at. Um, and then you just, you, you well, just got to contest. When they were at um... – what the the what's the name of the stadium the palestra i mean braden smith put on a damn show in the second half on the pick and roll and the alley-oops to um zach Eady. i mean he he couldn't be stopped for a stretch of seven minutes and then of course um the atomic bomb that was mason gillis when they met at Mackey, hitting nine threes or I think nine, was it nine threes or 11 threes? I think he was nine of 11 from three point. Lane, yeah. Nine of 12 uh, or something. Setting a three point record at Mackey arena, Mason Gillis, a forward. Um, I doubt that happens tomorrow, but I wouldn't put it past. All these guys are capable as Matt Painter said. So well, it'll be interesting. Craig, your thoughts on this, you know, yeah, this, this, this matchup is all about, um, you know, sometimes in football, you you get a team that wants to run the ball, and you get a team that wants to throw the ball around. And it's like which 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 system or which way will will work out, and what one team is good at, the other team isn't, and vice versa. And it's just a will of which way will win. And so far in the last two games, our way is won. And um, you know, even though Gillis went off for all those threes, uh, the reason he was as open as he was is because they were so worried about Zach. The reason that Braden controlled the pick and roll so much was because they were so worried about Zach. So it all comes back to Zach. I mean, Gillis had to knock those shots down. I don't want to take anything away from that, but he was getting wide open looks, um, all day that day and, and he, and he hit him. Um, so I think like uh, Penn state can do things that's really hard for us to defend. Uh, but we have to assert our will in terms of what we want to do at a higher level and a higher efficiency rate than what they can do. The one thing I will say is in both games, Lundy didn't get going. Um, and, and Lundy can be, you know, Pickett's going to go. <clears throat> uh, even today he struggled a little bit, and I said he had a little bit of the yips at some point in the game today because he was missing shots right at the rim that he normally makes or three or four feet out. Uh, but he's going to get going eventually. Uh, for for me, the key is we don't let Funk get going, yep. and we try to that we try to at least limit Lundy. And I think Painter will Painter will have a defensive assignment that says no matter what. I don't know that we're going to put Newman on Pickett. Um, I, I could see Newman on Funk just to not get him going, and, and 
try to control Pickett with somebody else personally, but we'll see what happens. I think yeah, you know you got what, Ethan Ethan Morton as an option too on the perimeter. Yeah, yeah that's literally where I was going. So you have 40 minutes now. Last the last two matchups you had Morton and you were hoping Newman did fine. Uh, I you do have 40 minutes now of at least one one defender you trust. Pickett might still just score because he's that good. He is a top seven, eight player, whatever in the country. Um, but you know, that is that is also a, a difference between from the first matchups. And and I think I could see a lot of the Newman Morton lineup together tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, as, especially if uh, Lundy starts getting going. Um, I, I could see Morton and Newman in there together with Smith. Um, somebody in the chat asked about TKR and uh, Edie together because uh, Renew and uh, TJD is. were in there together today against him, and I, I don't think we see that at all tomorrow. I think defensively that's a nightmare uh, for us trying to match up with them if we have those two guys on the court at the same time. So I, I don't think we'll see that at all. But I, I, I'm i going to put money on the fact that we see a Morton Newman line, line up for decent minutes tomorrow. I like it. I like it. So let's burn through some of these starred comments that we, we had before we Are talk Are we going to talk the- about seating? Yeah, after the starred comments, because the starred comments have more to do with, you know, the boilers or I've been waiting for my moment. Well, and we almost talked about it. And then we we pulled back and did a little mini preview of Penn State for tomorrow because I knew you'd you'd be itching to talk about seeding and 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 tournament implications after what we've seen over here the last few days. So uh, Derek Mulliken says, personally glad we get Penn State. Worst thing possibly would be losing to Indiana again right before the tourney. They are just a team with the perfect makeup to beat us. You know, I think everybody was kind of rumbling through their brain who they'd want to play. I mean, when uh, the postgame presser was going on, half the questions were about the idea of uh, Purdue going up against IU. That ended up being a moot point to the painter and the players. And, uh, you know, Penn State, who, you know, just continues to get overlooked, just powered through. They beat Illinois, they beat Northwestern, and then they beat IU three straight games where it was definitively the uh, a hostile environment against them. There was Illinois fans showed out in the first one, Northwestern fans yesterday, and there were a ton of IU fans here today. And, I, you know, Midwest Toker says, glad IU lost. And it's like, I you know, as the person that just loves to be in the moment, if IU had won, no question, IU Purdue tomorrow would have been mayhem at the United Center. And I'm sure the Big Ten tournament is somewhat disappointed. It isn't that matchup because they would have sold a ton of tickets, and it would have been a it would have been a crazed crowd. And there was a moment where Penn State fans, their family section was like really got up, and it was just almost kind of funny compared to when IU fans did it. And it really kind of went to show you like tomorrow is going to be a Purdue home crowd as long as Purdue fans show up, which I think they will for the Big Ten Tournament Championship. So, you know, in that regard, I think, you know, while the game would have certainly been fun, IU certainly presents some matchup problems. If you had told me if we could play IU and beat them, that certainly would have been something I take. But you take who you can get and they're getting Penn State tomorrow. So it would have been interesting to see that, but we're going to see what we get with Penn State. Uh, Will Cooper says, Blake Widmer, I agree. Would have been better national TV product to see the rivalry played out for a trophy. Again, yeah, but. 
Go ahead. But but at the at the same time, like as YT Sparty says, it's all about matchups, and and there's literally not a team in the country that is a worse matchup for us than IU, because you have a really really high quality center that when Zach's playing drop coverage, he can't take that extra step or two up into the lane because you you have to protect against TJD on the backside. And Jordan hood Shafino has shown time and time again that he can use his size and rise up and hit that mid-range shot. We saw today that JHS isn't really that athletic and really doesn't have a speed advantage. So when Penn State had a bunch of decent-sized wings that they could switch on him, and he couldn't just rise up and use his size, similar to Johnny Davis last year with with Wisconsin, um, he couldn't take advantage of that. Um, he he doesn't have an athleticism advantage, but uh, most of the guys that we're guarding him with, they're just he's just got a size advantage, and he can just rise up and shoot over him. Um, and that's if you have a guy that can consistently hit eight to 12 footers all day long. And Zach's going to play drop coverage and a good enough center to make Zach not make that extra step out or two. You can hurt us. The problem is nationally, there's just not very many teams in the country that have that guy. Um, UConn. And I know Purdue fans hate UConn, but UConn is the one team that I like. They've got a couple of pretty good centers and their guys can hit mid range shots that's maybe one of the other teams in the country that I think can really play that matchup and take advantage of that drop coverage. Most of the time we give up that mid range and guys might hit it for a short stretch, but they don't hit it consistently like JHS did not, not for the tune of 35 points in Mac. Right. And then today he only had six points, you know, well again, matchups Penn state, they've got wings with size that can switch on them and, and disrupt them. And he's not athletic enough to just drive by people or he's not Jaden Ivy. Like he, he doesn't have that kind of athleticism or speed switch. Right. So, uh, speaking of matchups, um, someone in, in the boiler diehards Facebook group said, IU pulled back to Penn state midway through the second half with Jackson Davis and Renault on the floor together. I already brought uh, Edie, this up. Edie and TKR together tomorrow, Joe. What do you think? Um, you know, and Craig kind of mentioned this. I don't think so. Um, just because I really like TKR's defense as of late. I don't trust it against Penn State. Um, can I go on just a small tangent about IU in this game? Because it, yes. it, it it frustrated me. How does Jackson Trace Jackson Davis and, and people might get in my comments for this? I, the second best player in college basketball, Trace Jackson Davis. How does he get 14 shots? I know that they were doubling. How does he just not touch the ball for five minutes straight when you're you they they bring it back, it's tied, and then they just didn't go to him. And I know that Penn State was doubling and they did a pretty good job, but that's something they used to do a lot last year and not as much this year. That but was something was so- they did a ton last year where they just he would disappear and they wouldn't get him the ball. Yeah. But this year they they've that, made more of a concerted effort to make sure he would eat him. He was he was so timid tonight. Like mm. like there was times when he would pass out, and I was like, why is he not going? Why is and then he'd go on a two or three minute stretch where he'd get real dominant, and then he'd get timid again. And I thought he looked tired. I thought he looked frustrated. Um, and and, and Joe, I, I I saw you text that earlier when we were talking and whatnot, and. I, I kind of put as much of that on TJD as I do on, on the guards because sure. 
I thought they got tired of kicking it to him and just watching him kick it back out. And finally we're like, okay, so I, I guess we're just, we need to do something. Cause I thought he got timid. I think it's, it's also on the coaches too. Um, and I know it's a completely different style, right? It's more of that pro style pick and roll of like, at some points just scheme something for him, right? Like they did a couple times, they ran some empty pick and rolls, have him slip. And now he has a, he, you know, got points off of it. Um, but I just wanted to say that. I don't even know where we're at. It just, it upset. As a basketball fan, it just upset me while watching. I, I did not understand it. Yeah. And we appreciate Allison. Um, Machieski. Machieski. Nice, yep. Joe. Said great yes. show, guys. And we appreciate that a lot. Um, and then, um, you know, Michael Hogg also pointed out as timid as TJD was, he said, like, cop, Miller cop. Also, why didn't he shoot when he was open? There was more than a few times, and I had a guy behind me uh, that was an IU fan, just irate because every time they kick it out to cop and he had a three, he wouldn't take it. And then he would like dribble into where now it's a contested shot. And a few times he made the floater going over the middle, but he wasn't taking the shot that he's in there for. And that's the three ball. And it, he he also looked timid today. Yeah. And part, Penn State, Penn State played really well too. Like, so there's that too, but yeah, I, yep. I agree. Yep, and they're gonna did they? I didn't. They I mean, that solid. this wasn't a, really well. This wasn't a Penn State game where they shot because sometimes they just go nuts from three. And like, I thought Pickett was average for a large part of the game until they really needed him, and then he stepped yeah, up at the um, at the end. He got his rhythm, but before yeah. the end, he missed like two or three straight air, two air balls when he yeah. when he got great position, backed his guy all the way down. He's two yeah. feet from the rim. Turn around. All he's got to do is put it in like Zach, but he's in guard doing this, and and he completely alligator armed it two times in a row. So, uh, but you know, the more times you get that look, eventually they're going to start going down. And Purdue's got to do everything they can to make sure Pickett's not comfortable down there. And I'm sure Zach is well, going to be a big part and, of that. And I think some of that's playing three games in three days in a row. And tomorrow's going to be four games in four days in a row. And uh, just like Ohio State today, I, I think that's going to be an advantage on Purdue's side. Yep, and the fact that Purdue didn't have to be in a freaking rock fight today with Ohio State I think helps too, where you yeah, had yeah. extended minutes where Zach Eady yeah. got to hang out, Braden Smith sitting on the bench hanging out watching David Jenkins. Like With 10 minutes to go, they're up 11, and I'm kind of looking at Peter like, when are you bringing Braden back in? And they, they just were going to let it ride because yeah. they felt confident yep. that they were going to win. Yeah, Gillis and Smith got beat up a little bit today. They both had, took a few shots where they got up kind of gimpy, and that you know concerns me a little bit, especially with Gillis because we know he's had back trouble his whole career, and just if he's going to be tight, and you know if there's going to be soreness from going through that the last couple of days. But yeah, for the most part, even, even though it got close at times and we were behind for a little bit, it just still never felt like they had to get in a a slugfest like Rutgers or if we would have had to play Maryland or something like that. Absolutely. And um, everyone that's in this YouTube chat, if you've been hanging out this long, you obviously are enjoying what you're seeing. Please hit that like button. Uh, YouTube's party. You better promise me you're hitting that like button. All right, my friend, we appreciate you jumping in, coming across rivalry lines. You're always welcome here. Anyone is welcome in our chat. Uh, You know, maybe sometimes we'll get, chippy with you but it's all in love uh you know in, in good-hearted nature with with sports talk here on boilers in the stand so we appreciate you tuning in but you got to hit the like button 
Thank you, YouTube Sparty. And if you want to subscribe, we won't hold it against you, but I know you're probably focused on your Michigan State Spartans. But, um, you know, so everybody hit that like, subscribe, whatever. But let's get on to the scene. Whoa, whoa, what is that? What did I do? What? I don't know. I don't know who Eric is, but Ooh. I appreciate it. <laughs> Eric, Eric in the chat said, I hit the like button for Joe with a heart and a kiss face emoji. What is going on here, Joe? I I don't know who you are, Eric, but I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Sydney's in the chat, and she says, I see that hat, Joe. Such a shame you aren't wearing it. What's going oh, on yeah. here, Joe? Everybody's getting hot and frisky for you with the, with well, the that hat. That is Sydney. Or, yeah, Sydney is the creator of this hat, actually. That's my girlfriend. So she's oh. he's, he's taken, ladies and gentlemen. So... You know, you there know, back is. off. Knitted this. Uh, Very there nice. Go. There you go. Yeah, pushing. Yeah, doing a little promo. Hey, listen, I I've kept thinking every time I see this hat that we need to get Bobby that hat because his name is Bobby Buckets. Oh, so that's a good call, right? Like, yeah, yeah I think that would be a great promo. Make? That would be a great prompt. Well, in practice, in practice, he says he made a lot of them against a lot of really good players, but we didn't actually get to see it. But I think well, if Bobby Buckets was wearing a basket hat, that's just fitting. Willie, I, Willie Dean like says in the chat, Joe's X's and O's takes on a whole new meaning now. That's right. So there it is, Joe. You know, you're just a popular guy. I guess um, so. So, yeah, let's get on to the seating before we wrap things up. Approaching the two-hour mark on this show, some of which, you know, will only be relevant for the next, you know, sixteen hours or whatever. But that's all good because me you know, wearing a hundred, me wearing a bucket hat is relevant always. So that's right. That. And for everyone that's tuned in this whole time and hung out with us, we appreciate all your support, and we're going to keep giving you great coverage of our Purdue Boilermakers. So, Craig, I'm going to start with you. Landscape of college basketball. Purdue one seed potential. Texas takes down Kansas. Doesn't um, matter. Okay. Well, I'm trying to set you up and you <laughs> just take chop it down before I can. I'm just it there. it doesn't matter. It doesn't Texas matter. All right. Texas, Texas, Alabama, Houston are locks. They've been locks for a week. They're gonna be a number one seed. Um, I, I've talked to bracketologists. I was pretty confident in that take. And then I talked to bracketologists this weekend at the Big Ten tourney, and, and same thing. They're a lock. I, I saw people in the chat like cheering that Texas beat Kansas. Doesn't matter. Kansas is a lock at the one. The only discussion that matters is Purdue and UCLA. That that's the only debate for a number one seed. And I'm here to tell you right now that Purdue has locked a one seed. I don't care what anybody says. If Purdue is not a number one seed, this committee does not care about numbers at all we can look at the base numbers in terms of quad one wins i think purdue has 10 now i think ucla has seven that might have both changed by one over the last day i'm not real positive um the the only kind of dirty mark on our resume versus ucla is we have one quad two loss uh but rutgers went through an injury the committee does care about that when you get to seven eight nine ten eleven twelve seeds Committing might not catch that stuff, but when they're looking at one seeds, they read into the entire resume, and everybody knows who Rutgers was before the injury. They know who they are now. 
they know that Rutgers has kind of figured themselves out again and has, has looked better of late. I'm not super worried about that. And then let's extend beyond that because Purdue has three or four more wins from teams that are just outside of quad one, right? home wins against teams that are in the top 35, top 40 as quad twos. UCLA's quad two wins, all those wins are like in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Our quad two wins are way better than their quad two wins. Let's look beyond that a minute. Purdue has beaten three regular season conference champs in Hofstra, Gonzaga, Marquette. Purdue has beaten two conference tournament champions in Gonzaga and Marquette, who won in a frigging blowout today. And I realize that win was at home, but in terms of just best team that we've beat on the year, Marquette has turned in the best team. And Greg, you know, I turned to you during the press conference of that game, and I said, I don't care if the press said Marquette's finishing sixth or seventh in the Big East. This team is going to be really good. I saw the pieces then. I want my credit for calling it then. Um, that's That's the way I called it, and that's the way it's turned out. No, I said it. We have one more conference tournament win. Most, I don't want to say most likely, but a really good chance of coming because right now Duke is handling Virginia decently well. So if we have wins over three regular season conference champs that are going to the, uh, well, three regular season conference champs, three tournament conference champs that are all going to the tourney, you look at that resume in terms of quad one, quad two. You look at how much better our quad two wins are. As Brian Tonsoni talked to me today at the game, if they put UCLA over Purdue, the only thing they can say is they are completely judging that with their eye, and it would be a travesty for everything they've said for the last four or five years about how much they care about the numbers. Wow. My, my brain hurts. That like trying to take all that information in, like my brain started to literally freeze and start hurting. Well, that's how I felt in the passenger seat today, Gerberg. <laughs> Joe, your thoughts on seating implications, all that craziness. Craig just said that I may never understand, but try to understand, pretend to understand. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to start with saying Craig knows more than me on this. Um, I'm, I'm willingly willing to admit that without a doubt. Um, you know, I'm not as big into the, the bracketology and all of that, but from what I understand, and I have kind of covered the PAC 12 for one of my writing things more. Um, I, I agree with everything Craig said, like you look at the numbers, I, I think Purdue's resume is better than UCLA's. Even if both win tomorrow, I, I think it's better. Um, you know, the only thing that UCLA kind of has going, I guess is, is, I mean, Purdue doesn't really have like a terrible loss, but UCLA from, what I'm recalling off the top of my head, like UCLA has no bad losses. Their worst loss is at USC, who is a tourney team. Um, they look better, like Craig said, maybe as of late. Um, not maybe. They, they look better as of late, without a doubt. But, you know, you, I feel like – and that's just where I don't I don't quite know what the committee's going for, right? Like, you're you have to take the whole season into account at some point. Purdue dominated their – um, you know, their, their Thanksgiving tournaments, UCLA went 0-2 in theirs against, you know, similar quality teams. Uh, they had U Illinois and Baylor. Uh, so I think there's that part. Um, uh, I think overall, like, I think Purdue should be the one pretty much no matter what. Um, 
if they lose and UCLA wins tonight, maybe they don't, but I don't see how Purdue doesn't get the one in this. Yeah, I see, I see Mike says, Craig is right, Braggs. You need some math books. They do me no good because I don't know how to read them. When I walked into Algebra 2 my senior year of high school, our our my teacher was Coach Tom Johnson, who was our basketball coach for our high school at Crown Point. He wrote these, you know, formulas on the chalkboard. Everybody's real quiet, writing them down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn these. And he, then he goes, if you don't know these formulas, get out of my classroom right now. And I went, and me and three other guys walked out of that classroom to never return again to Algebra 2. So, uh, you know, yeah, Uh, I, I may not know how, you know, I may not be good at math, but I know how to drive. You know, so muted. and you are muted. So take that, Mr. Professor. <laughs> I I said, and you've got big words. I do. I got big you words. Got some, you got some good vocab. We got good vocab. Blake Widmer says in the chat, I think we're locked into our seed regardless of what happens with UCLA Arizona tonight. Uh, you know, banking off what Craig's saying. I think we'll get the fourth number one seed. But maybe we get it too. So he's all over the place now. I was like, it started out <laughs> hot, and then he said, "Either way, we just gotta play ball and play well." Yeah. And I agree ultimately, Blake, because I said this going into today. Like it's, it's interesting, you know. And obviously, having a one seed is so important. Craig's laid out why the percentages show that one seeds make it more than two seeds by almost fifty percent more. But we saw last year; it laid out perfectly. <laughs> What did I do? Like Joe, 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 but... tell him, Joe, tell him what he did. I don't remember the exact number. I think it was like 20 per 30%, right? Shut Is up. Is that what you were left? No, but he said they, he, no, he said they make it 50% more. The numbers double. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So 50%. So be quiet. That's a hundred percent. And so the yeah. point is. Last year, it laid out perfectly for them. They they played a 15 seed to get to the Elite Eight, and it didn't happen. So whatever their path is, the day they slay this dragon, it's just going to be what it is meant to be. Obviously, one seed is what you prefer, but if they don't, I'm with you, Blake. They end up as the top two seed, and they're in Louisville, and we'll all be able to go to the games much easier. Either way, I'm fine with it because they're going to the Final Four. Whether anyone agrees with me or not, that's what's happening. Winning the championship tomorrow, too. And then we're going to get more confetti. See this? This is confetti nice. right here. I, just, I, I feel like game. Blake's really non-committal. Like, I, I need to that's, know that's, whether that's whether ultimate. Blake just is a personality is not. Because he's like, we're definitely a one. But I'm fine with the two and maybe we're a two. So, like, I feel and, like he's a guy that looks at a menu and he's like, I think I want this, but maybe I want that. You got to be more decisive, Blake. Uh, YouTube Sparty, our new friend here in the chat, says, you don't want to play Bama. Yes, we do, YouTube Sparty. And I'll tell you why. Because if they're playing Alabama, that means they're in the final four of the national championship. So, yeah, we do want to play Bama. Because that means they've slayed some dragons. And that's being not been to a final four since 1980 and haven't won a national championship since 1932, right? I think that I yeah. get that right. Look at that. I'm I'm paying attention to, to my banners in Mackey Arena. We need to get some new banners there. They're getting one For new sure. banner with the Big Ten regular season championship. Maybe a new banner tomorrow with the Big Ten tournament championship potentially. And maybe we'll get some more banners 
uh, come March. We will see. A um, few more things, some observations, some people made. Icy Mike said, Greg asked 45 questions Matt Panter today. No, I didn't. I asked he asked two. One. No, I asked one I thought, to Matt. One yeah. to, I asked one to Matt, and I asked one to Braden. And, and then and, two two in the breakout room. Then two to Newman. And that got live that. broadcast too, apparently, because people uh, yeah, were, how did people see that? that was people shocking. were reacting. People were reacting to your questions like really quick after that. So, huh? I didn't even realize they could see that. That's really interesting. There were like and, twenty people taking video in there, dude. Like, well, yeah, but I I didn't realize it was live. And that was some of the questions I asked. Somebody asked, "Are we putting the Wilson Ball conspiracy theory in bed yet?" You know, I hate talking about it. I don't want to you know, make this a bigger issue than it is, but it is annoying. I mean, they they have to play with a different ball come tournament time. They don't play with this. Purdue doesn't play with the same ball during the regular season. Now they play with the new ball. This is the same thing that happened last year. Bray, when I asked Braden Smith about it, he said, you know, and, and, and somebody said, uh, you know, uh, Tom White said, Braggs, I was impressed with your questions in the presser. If you listen to my question to Braden Smith, I completely butchered it. I ran into this moment where I didn't know how to finish the damn question and I just completely lost my mind. And I was very disappointed with my execution there. So then when I asked Newman, I asked it more concisely and I and I kind of made up for it. But the Braden one, I just didn't answer it well. But he understood what I was trying to say, even though I said it in the dumbest way possible. And Braden said, you know, as in regards to, to playing with the new basketball, that it's just an excuse at the end of the day. Everybody's playing with it, you know, kind of gave the company line. Matt Painter's sitting two feet from him, so he's not going to be making excuses around his head coach, and maybe he, he feels that way too. But then when we asked Brandon Newman when he was in the the uh, the weight room, which was away from the main press conference, Brandon kind of opened up about the difficulties of playing with a new ball with this Wilson ball that it was, you know, as I said yeah. earlier – you know, and grip and grip, grip and texture, bigger, size, which is crazy to me. And yeah, I don't I, understand how it can be big. I, I think the only way it's bigger is because it has that texture on the outside of the ball. Like that's the only because a ball is regulated to the same size. But if the the texture and grip on the outside is a little bit raised, then maybe that changes the size. Um, that's the only thing I can think. Yeah, and, yeah, and then just, so then I followed up with Brandon, like, don't you think that it should be the same ball across the whole country? And he was like, Yeah, yes. And everybody yeah. kind of laughed at it. And we understand that it's a money thing and it's not gonna happen because these other schools pay money to different, you know, sponsorships of 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 deals, and you got the Nike ball, the Wilson ball. I get it, but it it makes absolutely no sense from a competitive balance standpoint. And it would be in Purdue's best interest to play with the ball that you're going to play with the tournament all season long at Mackey. And if I was Coach Painter, and maybe the next time we have him on, this is something we kind of, you know, hold his feet to the fire on. You know, the answer maybe, is money. You're you're gonna, Greg. You're gonna hold Matt Painter's feet to the fire. The next time he you're, comes on, you're scared. You're tougher sc- questions because the first time he scared me, <laughs> and he's not gonna scare me anymore. He still scares me to this day. And yeah, I'm going to stand up to you, Matt. I'm not afraid of you, even though I'm terrified of you. And I'm going to ask you why. Well, what you would be asking is, is your school willing to renegotiate your entire contract deal with uniforms and shoes to be able to use the ball in the tournament? Because the ball is directly related to whoever they have the contract with. 
And I don't think they're going to drop Nike so they can play with the Wilson ball. And then how come Nike can't Nike? It's Nike, Michael Jordan. How come they can't just pay for the all of college basketball? So everyone's using the same ball. Well, it's because he's the second best player in NBA history. That's why. Well, the best still is Nike though. That's it for Craig for the day. I just, he's pissing me off. He just, Craig's just pissing me off with this Jordan slander. I can't take it anymore. Um, so fine. You know, I'll try to lay the, the stupid ball thing to rest, but it was interesting to hear the differentiating opinions between Braden Smith and Brandon Newman. So uh, that was basically it. Um, yeah. Bye. Craig is right. You know, I already said he's fired on Twitter from his Jordan slander. I didn't know I was hired. Yeah. And he said, where's my cut, which is coming from our faithful sponsors eventually. But if he keeps this up, I'm going to give his entire (laughs) cut to Bitcoin as freedom. So keep it up. And it's going right to the Bitcoin is, is freedom charity foundation. Uh, So so here's, well, uh, Joe said he's not a bracketologist. So I was going to put the question up about how many big teams make the tourney. Let's still do it because I think I can answer this. I, I know oh, no, ahead, I'm just Jim. not like a special. Well, let's ask this all one. You got to read the question. You, you're not a bracketologist savant. Too. Yeah. How so, many yeah. Big Ten teams make it into the tourney? Are Michigan State, Iowa, Michigan, Penn State, and Rutgers all going to make it? I doubt 10 teams will represent the Big Ten. Um, what? Michigan won't for sure, correct? Ruck, and then everybody else on that list. They're Michigan getting State, closer. Iowa, and- there, there's still a chance for Michigan because of some stuff that happened today and yesterday. But I, I think it's slim to none, and I think Slim just left the building. So that, that leaves nine, because I don't think Wisconsin makes it either. So probably nine would be my guess. I don't think yeah. Michigan makes it. Purdue, yeah, IU, I mean, Northwestern, Michigan State, Maryland, Illinois, Iowa, Rutgers at this point, right? Those are eight yes, blocks. Yep. We're confident in that. Um, yeah, did I skip and, and it, Wisconsin was in first four out on a lot of people's lists. Like, yeah. so there was a chance that maybe they slide in. So Nebraska, Minnesota, Ohio State, and who else definitely aren't making it in? Nebraska, who Minnesota, Ohio State. Not Nebraska, Nebraska, Minnesota, Ohio State. They for sure aren't. I assume Wisconsin and Michigan aren't, and that's five. So that leaves. Oh, nine. Michigan isn't. So that's. That's yeah. five teams. So we missed we missed a team when we were counting the nine. Yeah. But whatever. Oh, I skipped Penn State. Penn right. State's in. Yeah. Right. How'd you right. skip them? They're gonna like jump to an eight C tomorrow. I'm reading off the Ken Palm standings and like it's ordered in a certain way, and they were like sandwiched between Michigan and Wisconsin, and I just skipped them. But they are for sure, and I am excited to watch them. Um in the they're gonna That's they're gonna upset fun. somebody. Yeah, I would love it, to see them play Alabama, dude. I would yeah. so love to see them because I just think they could like could they get a nine? ass savant them. You think they're gonna be a ten? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I know enough, but I don't know the exact like what because they were they were like last four in at the start and they rattled off three straight. Yeah, they're probably wins. a ten. You're probably right. You're probably they're probably a ten. Um, right, so I would love them to be a nine and play Alabama. That'd be cool. We'll find uh, out tomorrow. So YouTube Sparty says, how will Edie be in the NBA? And that's a question a lot of people ask. And, and I think we've all agreed that he's, he's gone when the year is over. I think he'll have an opportunity to 
carve out some kind of a role in the NBA. He's certainly going to get as many chances as he can because I think NBA scouts are going to find him intriguing. He moves his feet well. He shoots free throws well. He's an absolute bucket in the paint. That won't change in the NBA. Crack him there, Craig. And, uh, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting. Obviously, there's a mismatch problem defensively. You know the NBA is going to pull him out as far away from the hoop as they can and then play pick and roll and get him matched up on guards and Kevin Durant and whoever else that he's going to have a lot of problems handling. But at the same time, he didn't necessarily have to be a starter. I mean, 30 years ago, if he was playing in 1991, he'd be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And and nowadays, you know, if he is going to have a role in the NBA, it's probably at the back end of a bench for a solid team. And you get to the playoffs and you need a guy that comes in and gives you a few minutes as a rim protector and somebody that can get you a bucket or two down low. And if he gets fouled, he can make some free throws. But ultimately, if he can't make it in the NBA, He's going to have a long and illustrious career overseas somewhere. And and depending on where he goes, let's say it's China or something like that, he's going to, you know, make a ton of money and be an icon out there all the same. I think a lot of Purdue fans would love to see him return and be back-to-back national player of the year, building a statue outside. Everybody thinks it's not going to happen, and that's fine. But, you know, while you're here, YouTube Sparty, we can play you a few clips of Zach Eadie completely dominating your team. Uh, I think he had like 75, 80 points on you this year. You're going to make us lose him. Your coach cried after both games that it just wasn't fair to play him. Here's another video. Well, I like YouTube. So we're going to give him, I told him we're going to give him some crap. So here's another clip where your guy completely hacks Zach Eady across the face. And it was as if he hit him with a fly swatter and then he just put it in effortlessly for the two points. I was going to say dunk, but here's a dunk on your guys. And and here's Braden Smith just dicing and slicing your team. And then look at this great passing back to first over to Eady for the jam. Uh, and I think we beat Michigan State by like 30 that day. So we appreciate yeah. you coming in, YouTube Sparty. Uh, you've been a fun commenter, and and I'm just kind of messing with you here a little bit. But. So I, I did see an NBA scout tweet today that people are underselling what Zach can do in the NBA. Um, and like I, I double-checked. Like I actually searched his name, and I was like, is this really an NBA scout? <laughs> Um, and, and he was, and, and he just said, I, I think people are underselling Zach's value in the NBA. And, and the one thing I'll say is we've seen him get switched on to guards multiple times this year and he's done fairly well. Uh, I mean, all in all and possessions in the NBA are not, they're, they're just not as important as they are in college because in college you're going to score 60 to 75 points most of the time. In the NBA, you're scoring 90 to 100, whatever. You know, like, it, it's just different. Um, and, and he does fairly well on those one-on-one matchups when he gets switched in terms of just holding it long enough to be able to switch back off or, or protect and let somebody come over help side or whatever it is. And the other thing that I would say with that is We've talked to a couple different people that said Zach's shot is really people are like, can Zach shoot a 10 foot or a 15 foot or whatever? We've talked to multiple people that said Zach hits those shots consistently in practice and when he's working on skills workouts and that type of stuff. It's just not 
like going to be a focal point of Purdue's offense. And the only guy I've ever really seen Painter let do that that's a true big man is A.J. Hammonds, and he was exceptional at it. Uh, but for the most part, Painter's like big men are taking their shots inside and, and not outside. Um, so I think there might be a little bit more to Zach's game than we know. Um, and and I, I do think, I think there's a really good shot. He gets, uh, I want to say late, early, mid second round, but still gets a guarantee that like somebody's gonna, gonna draft him in that second round, but lock him up for two years just to see what he can become. And who knows, like the dudes played basketball for five years. Like he, he's played basketball um, you know, for longer than or shorter time than Joe's been driving, basically. So, like, who knows where his game could go from there? And I think that you know, the last thing is is the accurate part, right? Like, one is well, we know we know Purdue is elite at developing big men, right? Um, as I laugh at certain things, I, I, yeah, yeah, and they're they have a, a system you trust. NBA teams they are confident in their development, whether they should be or not. They look at Edie and go, okay, that's a guy we can develop into this. And I think because of how, you know, switching is, and I know we're going to get on a little NBA rants, and I don't know if anybody, everybody watches the NBA, but it is switch heavy. It is perimeter heavy. It is matchup hunting heavy. But there is still like, it's an 82 game season. You have minutes you have to eat, right? Like Edie, I don't know if he's ever, it may, you know, as of right now, I don't think he's ever like some playoff player, but. You throw him in at center, play drop coverage with him, 10, 10 minutes, you know, 15 minutes a game. Um, uh, like, I don't think you put him in the spot where he has to switch. You play him in drop coverage. He's shown he can be solid at that at the college level. You let him to continue to develop that, and then you see what you can get off of the post, right? And that's kind of goes back to where teams think they can just develop him. If they think they can develop him even more reading um, in the post or – you know, being able to play as a pick and roll guy as, as kind of a lob threat, or if he does step out and, and knock down a jumper, um, you know, there are guys that play five, 10, 15 minutes just basically because they're good in drop coverage and they can grab boards. Um, I, I, there's that aspect too, that I think uh, like people probably overlook, like you said, with, when it comes to Edie, like it's not just, he doesn't have to be some superstar to stay in the league. Yeah, so when we said that Zach was definitely gone, somebody, they, they got in a question about NIL. And just to address this, Zach can earn NIL, but it's different because um, he's he's not a U.S. citizen or whatever. He, he originates from a foreign country. He can earn an NIL. Um, Shibwe. Did I say that right? Tashibwe. Tashibwe. Okay. From Kentucky, he earns NIL, a lot of NIL. But there's a lot more hoops to jump through and where that money originates from and how it funnels through to the player, everything else. There's just a, a lot more hoops in terms of how that money gets to the player. So it potentially, like, you know, maybe Purdue could put a package together that was enough to make it really attractive for Zach to stay. Um, but Purdue hasn't, like, necessarily football or basketball wise been like really out on the forefront of drumming up a ton of money in collectives like Miami or Kentucky or some of the other teams. And then you throw that wrinkle in there of being international and having to go through all those other hoops. Um, I, you know, I, I just don't know that that's in the cards, uh, but maybe I'm wrong. 
somebody told me that uh, Greg Braggs and CHGO Sports were thinking about like throwing five hundred thousand at him. I don't know. I will say one before we jump. Like I don't. I, I would want to do more research um, to actually understand if, how much of this is true. But I have heard there is possibility of that change coming even as soon as next year, where foreign players ah. can then earn it. Um, I don't know how much validity there is behind it, or if it's if it's people are like, oh, maybe next year, but it's gonna be like a five year thing. Um, but there is, if that hat if that goes through within the next three months, some somehow, I think Edie's chance to return jumps a little bit. Um, yeah, but I, his stock's never gonna be higher than what it is now. So there's that part too. All right. right. Well, that wraps things up for tonight. Dude. We got a nice. Long I, show, all of you. Joe, really Joe had things. more. Greg, Joe I had don't more. Care. <laughs> okay. I just have. I have one rant I want to get out either today or tomorrow. It's about the quadrants. If do, it, it, if you Joe, tomorrow, do it, tomorrow, do it. Tomorrow for the bracket show. Tomorrow for the bracket show. If it's right. about quadrants, we can all talk right. about it during the bracket show. Okay, we'll be I, done. I'll go do some puzzles with Addy. Burning it at both ends of the stick or the candle or whatever the hell the saying is. What? I don't know. It's you burn candle, both ends of a candle, burn, not a stick. You can burn a stick, okay? You know, I'm getting delirious to the point where I'm gonna I'm gonna say the wrong boiler up, bear down. Don't get me in this space. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Yeah, boiler up, bear down. It's been a big week for our bears, for my Frank Chicago Bears right here. Girls. Traded that number one pick, baby. It's been a big week for boilers in the stands getting to a big 10 tournament championship. You know, I seen over my shoulder here, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. We're walking around the underbelly of the house that Jordan built walking past the locker room, coming out the same tunnel that Michael Jordan came out of. It's been a lot of fun. Sparty's a lions fan. We're coming for you, Sparty. Um, we're on your ass. So you better watch it. So, no, we're not freeing Joe. Joe can talk about the quadrants tomorrow. All right? We gave you a nice long show. Half Free of it's only going to be relevant until tomorrow when they play in the Big Ten Championship, and then we're going to be back at it again. But we yeah. love hanging out with all you guys. So before yeah. you start running out of here like there's a fire, you better hit the like button. So I'm going to find out who doesn't hit the like button, and then I'm going to come to your house. I want to give a shout-out to Michael Lichtenfeld. He was the... Uh, him and his dad stopped us walking out of the stadium and, and gave us some kind words of encouragement for what we're doing here at Boilers in the Stands. Uh, and everybody that's met us here over the last few weeks, Kristen at Mackey Arena for the Illinois game. Uh, I also want to give out a shout out to our sponsors one more time. Uh, Fanbags Cornhole, Chicago's official supplier of professional cornhole boards and bags. Uh, make sure you use the promo code BRAGS for 10% off. Visit www.fanbagscornhole.com. Uh, and then our guys over at Auto Owners Insurance. Start with Shire. Shire Insurance Services. Visit www.shireinsurance.com. Or make sure you call the phone number at 219-663-7274 for your insurance needs. And then, of course, our guys over at Mad Mushroom. Make sure you're getting the best cheese sticks in the game the best pizza in the game for mad mushroom use our coupon code bits for 15 percent off any order you make at mad mushroom pizza and then of course one more shout out for our guys 
at ISC Purdue. Thank you for providing some of the images you saw here tonight, and you'll see more images as the season goes on on our channel. And then, of course, make sure you follow them at ISC underscore Purdue. So we appreciate their support as always. So there it is. Uh, yeah, we lose an hour of sleep what? tonight. Craig broke no. that news to me earlier. I'm just that, now finding yeah, it out. He, he was like, I lose an hour. And I was like, Greg, the game's at 2.30 tomorrow. We'll be fine. <laughs> like, right. It's so not it's like 10, we have to leave at 9 a.m. or it's whatever. It's essentially 10.15 right now. Yeah, so every, hey, everybody listening, uh, if you believe in prayer, pray for me tomorrow. If you believe in positive thoughts, give positive thoughts for my drive with Greg tomorrow. I will text everybody individually and let you know that I made it home safe. You'll be just fine, my friend. You'll be you're in great hands with with Greg. You're in great hands. I, I'm I'm like Jason Bourne, like I said. So anything else, guys? I mean, we're wrapping it up. The Midwestern well, goodbye, Justin Inman. We are in the thick of it. So, you know, I don't have anything else. Final thoughts. Yeah, I don't have anything else. There are any other topic I want. You're not allowed to talk. Craig's (laughs) definitely not allowed to talk after his Jordan slander with uh, actually I do have one jersey. (laughs) It's really quick, really quick. Oh my! Because people, God, they were just you know about the the hats. I don't know what interest there is or not, but if there was some, um, I'm going to tweet out. I think a Google form tomorrow. If you do want one, um, Uh so I'll tweet that out. Just put your email in and that, and then. I don't know the steps after that. I was just told to say this, so I'm saying your it. girlfriend is going to be making hats. So for the my only question, life. Joe, is like I'm bald up top, so the whole purpose of a hat is to be closed up top. So we like, can, can she make? One. Can she make like a fake one that looks like there's holes in it, so that like it's actually closed on well, top? You of my just head. have the same hat, but there'd be like a netting mesh thing like as you put it on your I, I'm I'm gonna let her figure that out Braggs I don't need I, you to problem solve it for right, me listen <laughs> we're in this together okay so anything else Joe because everybody wants to nah. hear from you in the chat you know well we'll you, you, you want tune us, in you want tune us in to tomorrow. just leave you with the chat Joe oh cliffhanger cliffhanger no cliffhanger's best yeah, leave it tomorrow what be my rant yeah um and, and hopefully it's we're celebrating a Purdue Purdue Big Ten championship tournament championship too that sounds great. That sounds really nice. We got UCLA and Arizona coming up here in yep. 15 yep. minutes. We could Maybe, just stay live until that game ends. You know, and then also, thank you, Willie Dean. We are going to give a shout out to Feed the Post. Make sure you're following the guys at Feed the Post underscore on Twitter. And uh, make sure you subscribe to whatever they're doing. And, and they're on uh, Google and Spotify, or Apple, Spotify, and what else? Google or Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts. Yeah. Apple, Spotify and Google podcasts. Feed the post with Joe Jackson and Aiden Coons, a Purdue basketball podcast. They were live uh, just the other night, giving a little breakdown of the big 10 tournament. They're going to be doing some more of that when we get to the NCAA March madness tournament. So make sure you're always following along with our guys, Joe and Aiden with the stuff they do on their own. Right. So uh, that's it for the shout outs. Shout out to everybody in the chat for hanging out this entire time. No boiler diehard shout out. Shout out to the god, the boiler diehards. You, 10, you give 000. Joe his props and Can not you shout you shout him out. Ten thousand subscribers. Eleven. Boiler, Eleven. Eleven thousand oh. subscribers to the boiler diehards Facebook group. 
We share a lot of our work onto there. Craig obviously is the founder and administrator of Boiler Diehards. They always are a big support system to what we're doing here at Boilers in the Stands. So shout out to them for always being in our corner. Make sure you join the Boiler Diehards Facebook group. And, uh, you know, it's a vetting process. So it's all Purdue Boilermaker fans in there talking all Purdue sports. That was a great shout out. So Boiler Diehards, that's right, Willie Dean. So shout out to the whole chat for hanging out this entire time as everybody's running out running out of here at the end. Don't Midwestern goodbye me. You guys set me up for this. That's, and, that's fair. I interrupted. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to everybody in the chat. Shout out to our guy, Aiden. We'll see him tomorrow. Yep. And uh, appreciate you, Craig and Joe, as always, for all your hard work. I did not have any fireball today, John. Just crown. So we're keeping it classy tonight. But tomorrow, we're going to be celebrating some more championships, some more trophies, some more confetti. So that's what we're going to do here is we're going to end this show with our – We'll bring you a box of confetti, Joe. There we go. Well, Joe's got – If you're allowed on the court and Greg is able to take pictures, Craig, get a picture of Greg. We already did. For tomorrow? No, we took pictures – of Greg no, and like, I on the court oh, today. No, like ass. of him, like he's going to be up against all Big Ten media and he's going to be, I promise you, he'll be front row. He'll be, if yeah. we're cutting down the nets, right? Yeah. Produce cutting right. down the nets. Yeah. Oh, I of him taking you, a Greg picture with the, in front of everybody. everybody taking right. the pictures. He'll be up front. Follow his Twitter. Uh, what it, he's uh, he's going to whip Greg's your name. ass when you I get the shots. Yeah. <laughs>the kind of shots you get here at boilers that in was the stands. that was sincere too like he, he you do you do a great job with all that so. hey i appreciate it you know you got to strike while the iron's hot i'm a shark when i see that moment i attack so that wraps things up if you're going to the united center tomorrow and everybody should be going make sure you get loud for these purdue boilermakers they're playing hard for you and you need to be brick by brick for them brick by brick rise and shine purdue boilermakers It's your time. See you tomorrow. Boiler up.